You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and updates on all the cool and exciting new projects coming up in Star Wars film, TV, video games, and more. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Excited for this one because, you know, the majority of most of our episodes have been news speculation updates on the movies but and we sprinkled in some tv shows here and there of course with the animated stuff but man this one's pretty much all going to be about tv news which is pretty exciting and new territory for star wars so i'm excited about this one well this is the future of star wars in my opinion as as i have banged the the table on this for a while and to see the seeds of that we're already seeing it right Mm -hmm. now with the mandalorian resistance and all this stuff. It's it's a crazy time because I think we're seeing we're gonna see the transition from mostly films of Star Wars to now mostly TV focused with an occasional film here or there in Star Wars. But I could be wrong, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see. It's an exciting time. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up on the horizon. Um, so let's just jump right into it with the latest news. Um and you know, the biggest piece of news since we last recorded, uh, which is that announcement about the live action Star Wars series um, titled The Mandalorian. Um, and we first got the title reveal from Jon Favreau on social media um, just about a week ago. And uh, he just posted a uh, just a still image of just text. And it says The Mandalorian, after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. Um, so this was already getting people excited. Um, you know, cool that we're getting a new story about a new Mandalorian character. And uh, I think we had already heard rumors about, you know, the setting and the time period and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then a couple days later, we got uh, a few more details from StarWars.com with like a, a big official press release um, kind of for the to kick off this thing, um, along with a really cool image of said Mandalorian. Um, and... Uh, you know, it kind of just reiterates um, this story about this lone Mandalorian character. Um, but in this press release, the other really cool thing to go along with this image 
was the list of directors that, that they announced for the episodes. Um, and I'll kind of go in backwards order here. Um, well, maybe not quite backwards, but uh, some of the names that they announced as um, episodic directors for this series, we've got uh, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, who directed a movie called Dope, uh, Deborah Chow, who's done some Jessica Jones, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I was surprised by because I didn't realize that she's a director as well as an actress. But um, I mean, that was kind of a cool connection because she's obviously the daughter of Ron Howard, who directed Solo. Um, Taika Waititi, who directed Thor Ragnarok, I think he's kind of the biggest name on this list as far as um, someone who has, you know, is well known for like film directing and stuff. But I think needless to say, the biggest thing that got Star Wars fans excited on this list is that the <laughs> first episode of this new uh, live action series is going to be directed by Dave Filoni. Um and he's also going to be an executive producer on the series, along with uh, John Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy and uh, Colin Wilson. But um, man, getting to see Filoni make his live action directing debut um, I know, man. on a new live action TV series about a new Mandalorian character set in between episode six and seven. Like, man, how cool is this? Like, what was you guys first reaction to the news? Well, for me, this was really exciting, obviously. I I love Mandalorians. I'm one of the people that still loves Boba Fett. And from back in the, the OG days of the 90s when Boba Fett was like pretty much the hottest thing in Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget when, you know, in high school or middle school, I had a Boba Fett t-shirt. It was just a picture of Boba Fett's head on a white t-shirt. And this, uh, like, I think I had that shirt too, Paul. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I gotta find a picture of it, man. Cause it was, I got it at a comic store and I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget this, like, kid used to always, like, tease me, go, that's Boba Fett. And I was like, you know, Boba Fett? Yeah. I was like, weird. Uh, <laughs> but and, and my, my point is, is that even people that I never thought would like Star Wars or new Star Wars knew Boba Fett. Everyone knows Boba Fett. Like, that, there was, I mean, there are so many things that are huge about Boba and it's because he looks amazing. And obviously George helped create a whole new thing of Mandalorian, you know, these, these war commandos or super commandos Mandalorians. And obviously they've kind of developed over the, over the course of time, uh, you know, and whatever, but I've always been a fan of the Mandalorians and, and, and what they represent and everything as far as like, the canon version because I loved like, you know, they fought Jedi Knights and that was really cool. I thought so Clone Wars, I never followed the EU stuff besides like some of the early Boba Fett stuff. But when Clone Wars and Dave Filoni and George went and dove deep into that mythology and I know broke a lot of uh, the rules of the EU, I loved it and I thought it was great. And I think to me, those are my favorite episodes and the favorite parts of the Clone Wars are all of the of Death Watch and whatnot. So, and I know I'm not alone. A lot of people love that stuff. Some of the you know best imagery we've gotten in the Clone Wars, and maybe in all of Star Wars, has been with the Mandalorians. Um, so, what what's so cool about this is obviously is that you have someone like John Favreau, who is a huge Star Wars fan, and we know he is because I think I, there's uh, Tim. Help me out here because I know you probably watched this. I don't know if Kyle's seen it, but it's the director roundtable for Marvel, or they talk about like mm -hmm. all. All of the Marvel directors are talking. Yeah. And I think he even says, I was more of a Star Wars guy than a, than a comic book guy. Is it yeah. he say that at some point? Mm -hmm. in yeah, that? I think you're right. Yeah. So he even mentions on Marvel's show that I was more into Star Wars than I was into Marvel. And I thought that was really interesting because then obviously he does pre Vizzle's voice and he must have like 
and I don't know the whole story behind that. I should probably research that more, but obviously he did it because he loves Star Wars. You know, it's he's a busy guy. I mean, at, at that point, was he wasn't he still directing Iron Man or like or yeah, that's, that's Iron I, Man. I, yeah, yeah, that's actually I, how they got together because I think he was mixing the sound for Iron Man while oh, they were working on all those episodes, and him and yeah. Filoni crossed paths, and that's how he got involved with voicing Queen's Vizsla. Yeah, yeah. I think he heard he got wind that they were working on you know this Clone Wars series, and he kind of just ducked over there to check it out while he was over at Skywalker Ranch working on stuff for Iron Man. Yeah, so obviously Filoni has an admiration and a huge love for Star Wars, and you could see it on the set on on the Solo uh, red carpet when he was even talking about it. He was starting to beam. You know, this is something that he's really excited about. And what's and again, I, I've gone on record here saying that I think it's really awesome because this is this is a very inspired story, not something that he conjured up to, you know, like, oh, I'm going to they tapped me to write this whole new story about a Mandalorian. No, this is straight from his mind. I'm assuming mm -hmm. from what he's what he's saying inspired that he had and pitched it to star Wars or Lucasfilm, I should say, um, and Kathleen Kennedy and they, and they bought in. And so just like rogue one was very inspired, right? Like, it's not like an, it's not like the most original idea, but that's something that he really wanted to, you know, that John Knoll wanted to do, and he made it, and, and he had a, a kind of a specific idea of what he wanted, and look, we got Rogue One from it, and which is, I think, now, is it, to me, is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. And so, for me, this is not, I mean, there's one thing, like Resistance, we're going to talk about Resistance later, but Resistance is very much a, you know, we got to come up with a new animated series. Well, I have this idea, blah, blah, blah. And it's not a terrible idea, but it's it's not it's not a truly, like, Oh, this is really like I have to get the story out type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Uh, Favreau seems like it is, and he's got a passion for it. And obviously, Mandalorians are a passion for him. And so we're we're getting all this, and we got the you know the announcement that he and and you know we first got the announcement that man it was Mandalore like it was uh, or something like that was it was it uh, making Star Wars who said it was something about Mandalore. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't even know. We just thought, oh, Mandalore is going to be involved in it. And then everything got turned on its head and it makes it about a gun, basically a, a lone gunslinger in out in, in the outer rim doing who knows what, which we I can we can only assume it's going to be a callback to like good, bad and the ugly. The man with no name movies where you have a Clint Eastwood like character kind of doing his own thing, but gets himself into trouble and de ends up defending people and defending himself and getting involved with things. He wasn't necessarily, he or she wasn't necessarily, you know, going to get involved in. So to me, seeing that, seeing the, the, the premise and the picture all together is just a really like powerful thing. And it got, it, I mean, we see all the directors, that we're getting involved. But I think to me, the directors are great and we'll talk about them more in a second. But to me, the premise is what is what's selling me on the series. I mean, I'm, I'm sold on anything star Wars, but the series alone and what, what he's trying to invoke is exactly what I think that George wants to invoke. He took the ideas of traditional storytelling and traditional things that are not tropes, but are traditional and where he can, you know, it's timeless, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Westerns are very much timeless. And at the time, like, they tell a very specific story. And and obviously, Star Wars is heavily influenced by Westerns. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, Favreau, just like how um, I think Solo is very much roots of traditional storytelling, I think The Mandalorian, for what John Favreau's premise is, is pitching, 
is very much rooted in Star Wars roots of traditional storytelling at its finest, where we're going back to a more simple line of storytelling where it's a guy running around, probably maybe even hiding his face. We don't even, and that's a cool thing. Like, will he even get this guy's face? I don't mm-hmm. know. And it's just, there's so many different things we don't know with the premise. And it's, and it, but it's not like a, you know, like, oh, who is this, you know, um, not like a Ray thing where it's like, who's, who, who is this person related to? It very much is like, one thing I wish I would have gotten from the start is this from Ray is like, this person is a no name. Like this is yeah. the Mandalorian. It's not, mm. his name's not important. It's the Mandalorian. He's just a Mandalorian. Just like Clint Eastwood was the man with no name. He is just the Mandalorian. He has no, we don't know his real name. We don't know. We don't even know if he has a face or not. So it's, just hearing that premise was very, very exciting for me. And I think this is going to be huge. Like, like I said, the future is now with star Wars and, and where they're going is TV and all this streaming service and whatnot. And I think the Mandalorian is just the first of many. And I think this is going to be with all the directors too, what we have Dave Filoni. Um, I mean that, how excited is, is it for him to be finally doing a live action series that, you know, John yeah. Favreau is doing him a solid, right? I mean, it's, that's amazing. And not only that, you have Taika Waikiti, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, you know, obviously Bryce Dallas Howard is a very good actress in, in working today. She's at, and I love the fact she's got, you know, the directing, you know, you know, uh, uh, drive just like her dad does. And I'm I'm sure she's been you know growing up in the business and with her dad directing and she's directed short films. I'm sure she's going to do a solid job. This is a great way for to her to cut her teeth on, and she's going to have plenty of mentorship between her father and other people she works with. Um, the lady from Jessica Jones. I've I've liked the first season of Jessica Jones for the most part. Didn't like the second season, but not really because of directing, more of the storyline. But the, but the directing was never the problem with that show. It's just more of the subject matter. Um. I was obviously Taika Waikiti being the that was a left field one that I was not expecting yeah. and is amazing. And the fact that you know he even said, I don't know if Star Wars would want me because I'm so kook, you know, kooky and weird and and whatever. And obviously, um, you know, maybe doing something like The Mandalorian is something that, you know, it's more of like a dream come true for him to direct something Star Wars related. And that's what he gets, you know, instead of doing a film, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll spend a little time doing a, a, a one hour show or whatever, or whatever it is. So it's a really interesting thing that John Favreau is doing. And, and what I also found hugely interesting and Rick Famuyiwa, Famuyiwa, I think his name is, I like him. Um, I, I, he, I like the, I, I like, I haven't seen dope yet. And I know dope is his main uh, film. And I want to see that, but I like him because you know, this guy has principle because he was on, working on the Flash movie mm-hmm. for a while, and then he didn't like what was going on. He just bailed. He was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. And I, I respect the fact he did that because, you know, a lot of directors, you know, who maybe want work or whatever, are like, nah, man, I'm going to stick around and make do this job and because I need the money and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he casted people and all that stuff. But no, like now he's like, no, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm not wasting my time with something that I'm not, you know, fully invested in and whatnot. And now he's directing star Wars and I'm, I'm really excited to see dope and see that, um, what he does in star Wars. So lots of interesting things, but my most, and the kind of, before I turn it over to you guys, what I thought was the most interesting tidbit was John Favreau's not even directing. So I, I know he helped write the series and everything, and he's obviously executive producing and, but the fact he's not, he's not directing is huge. I mean, granted he's really busy, 
But there's one major thing with this, guys, that I want you guys all to realize that I think this really blows my mind. And I, I, I and we have not – I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. And maybe I'm not looking for it. So I don't want to claim that I'm going to you know, blow everyone's minds with my, you know, my point here. But the reason why I think it's interesting is that if John Favreau is not directing and they're filming now, this thing's going to be out like by the end of next by the end of next year. Oh, for sure. But you mean and like I, launching with the yeah, service? Yeah, it's launching. It's launching. It, this pretty much confirms it's launching with the service, in my opinion. Like, yeah, no, I so, would agree. Like, and that yeah. was one of the biggest surprises about that to me. Um, the fact that they're filming already, because I think Favreau is still working on The Lion King right now. Um, yeah. yeah, and still yeah. supposed to do like Jungle Book 2 right after that, too. So it's like, you definitely understand why he's not directing, but at the same time, it's like, good that they got such these big names that they want to get it out as kind of as soon as possible to launch with the service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was not expect. I mean, I wasn't expecting to hear any announcements or details about this really until like celebration next year. Yeah. And I was thinking we might get the series still by the end of next year, or maybe have to wait till, uh, you know, the next year after that. But I definitely was not expecting this to be a launch title for the streaming service. I figured as far as star Wars goes, they would have, uh, you know, Clone Wars on there ready to go day one and then, you know, at least have like a preview for the Mandalorian or something um, saying, you know, hey, this will be out in another couple months or something like that. But yeah, with it being already in production this early on, because we've also got some set photos and stuff to talk about a little bit later. Um, not really a whole lot to go on, but at least enough to know, like, this is in production right now. Um, and so, uh yeah, I think we're going to be getting this um, sooner than maybe some of us were expecting. I kind of wonder, too. I mean, streaming service is such a whole new landscape now for TV shows. I don't know if this would really apply to like some that's either a movie or a TV, like TV shows on networks. Like, would they want two Star Wars shows competing with each other, so to speak, if they launch at the same time? Like, does that I wonder if that goes into consideration with this type of thing, like to have, let's say, it launches definitely with Clone Wars season seven. And they want to let that breathe a little bit as like the big Star Wars title that it launches with. And then maybe a few months after, then the Mandalorian will hit the streaming service. I mean, I, just, I wonder if that's a faction at all. Like it, it might not be. They just go, hey, let's get as much great content on here at launch as we could. And then they have both of them. Or I wonder if they will think about that. Let's kind of spread it out a little bit with the different properties that we have with all the different franchises we're going to use for the streaming service. So I think even though it's filming right now, I, that could be something where maybe they take in consideration where maybe it won't launch right away, even though it, it will be ready, but maybe they want to hold back on it just a little bit. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting though, but I'm all for having both Clone Wars and the Mandalorian at launch. I think you tweeted this out, Kyle, where if they both come out at the same time, which one do you start with? I don't <laughs> know, man. Like I would, uh, I don't know. I'll have to get back. Don't to say that. Clone Wars. I can't believe it's to me. It's a no brainer. It's the Mandalorian. I mean, I don't know. We've been, uh, we've been waiting for the siege of Mandalorian. Yeah. Paul, I think hey. you underestimate my love for Clone Wars. <laughs> Maybe. And that might be a pretty cool lead into the Mandalorian as well. Exactly. Like, no, you know what? Back. That's a good point. I am going to watch Clone Wars first oh, because stop. the siege, yeah, of, because insane. the siege of Mandalore <laughs> is backstory for anything involving Mandalorians in the future. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. But the other thing too, because I'm not going to be able to help myself from binging Clone Wars. Like it's only going to be like 12 episodes, but it's going to be probably three, 
you know, are like three separate arcs of four episodes each. I'm probably going to like each of the first three days that that comes out, I'll just watch one story arc per day and then get into the Mandalorian and maybe space it out a little bit more and watch like one episode a day so I can enjoy it a little bit longer. And well, I have a feeling I'll probably watch both of them two nights because if I watched all 10 episodes of Cobra Kai in one night, <laughs> I think I'm easily going to do that for the Mandalorian. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't mean to keep dominating this conversation, but I have a question for you guys before you guys give your thoughts on this. Are you do you think Disney's actually going to do one or the whole season at once? Are they going to are they going to milk it? Because I have a feeling that they're going to experiment with a few different things. I, I, I could see Clone Wars being dumped at once. But the Mandalorian to really, really draw and get your money out of it, you may just only drop one episode at a time. That's to a be good honest. point. Because that's it's... what they're doing with uh, Titans on the new DC streaming service. Because most people are assuming new shows, just like Netflix, you get to binge all of them. But Wait, so by the way, like... okay, random question. I know this is going off on a side tangent, but you mentioned Titans. Is the, uh, like the, la- the latest trailer I watched for that said it was a Netflix original. Oh, for oh. international markets, it is because the DC Universe apps only in the US. Okay, so. I was so confused. I was like, "Wait, did they? Did DC just give up on that and sell the rights to it to Netflix?" Like, I was, I was <laughs> super, I was anyway. super confused. Maybe they did we just because I also like I heard a lot of negative reaction to the first trailer, and so I was like, "Man, they're giving up on this thing already and just selling it off to Netflix to get rid of it." Um, okay, that makes sense. It must have just been like an international version of the trailer that I saw then. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I would think, I mean, that might be something that, um, you know, that DC is trying with that. But you look at all the Netflix shows, you know, Stranger Things and Orange is the New Black. And I mean, the the all the Marvel shows and everything. I mean, those have been so successful and they all just dump the seasons all at once and let people, you know, watch it at your own pace. You can space it out and watch an episode at a time, or you can binge watch it all in one night. Cause that's what a lot of people do with Netflix shows anyways. And so they figured like, Hey, let's just produce the whole season and give it to people to watch whenever they want. Um, so I mean, sure they could try something different with star Wars and it might depend on the budget too. And, um, like how big they're really going with this thing and how heavy it's going to be as far as visual effects and stuff like that. Because in that case, um, you know, I mean, maybe the first episode will be ready to go when the streaming service launches, but like not the last couple episodes. And so in that case, maybe they will, you know, drop it a week at a time. But I think at least for me, like the proven tried and true way to do this as far as, um, you know, these direct to consumer platforms is just give them the whole thing. Um, so my guess is that's how it'll go. Um, and like you said, I definitely think that'll be the case with Clone Wars. I'm assuming that's also what they're going to do with the Mandalorian, but we'll see. They could always shake it up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But man, when I first got the or saw John Favreau's Instagram posts about it, I mean, we kind of like we talked about before knew already that more than likely it was going to be about Mandalorians that like dealing with Mandalore from that making Star Wars report. So while that wasn't a huge surprise, I think getting the idea that it's only going to focus on one Mandalorian, that was kind of a surprise to me. Because after we were talking about a few episodes ago, how cool it would be, you know, to see different the clans of Mandalore kind of fight for the throne of the Darksaber to rule Mandalore after the Empire falls, how that could be make for some compelling TV. Um, but so I was kind of getting excited for that. And then once we got the official announcement of what it's actually going to be focusing on one Mandalorian who's you know a lone gunfighter going to the outer rims of the galaxy. 
I was like, hmm, like I don't know which one I like better, like the, <laughs> the concepts for a TV show, because they're both really cool. But as we're learning more about this series and as I think about it more, what we could possibly get in, it's, it's going to be really great. I mean, I pretty much love everything that's been officially announced for this from the plot synopsis, the list of directors. I mean, I said when I first saw this last week, I got saw the image like, wow, this is awesome. Then I saw the list of directors like, oh, wow, that's even better. Like, I don't know what excites me more, the image or this list of directors, because as you scroll down the names, I mean, Dave Filoni obviously is the biggest one to get us Star Wars fans and especially fans of Clone Wars and Rebels super excited. But then you look at all the other names like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow, they got him. That's awesome. <laughs> like it's got better and better as the list goes on. So just the talent they accumulated for this project. I mean, how can you not be excited for it? So yeah, I just echo everything Paul said and just cannot wait to see more of it. That image, I mean, it's it's simple, but man, is it darn cool. Just that Mandalorian helmet is just as we mentioned before, as we were kind of talking about the potential Boba Fett movie and how marketable that would be, just based on that image of the Mandalorian helmet it's already having that effect with this TV show and this character who we know nothing about but just seeing that iconic Mandalorian helmet in live action again it's just so so cool and I just can't wait to see more of it but um, I don't know if you want me to hold off on some speculation stuff Kyle I guess I'll let you see give your first reactions to it but I got some stuff to speculate about that uh, plot synopsis and certain things I've been thinking about and hearing other fans say Oh, well, I definitely can't wait to dive into speculation and possible plot points and stuff, because, you know, we're all about that. But, um, yeah, just, I mean, I had more or less the same initial reaction that you guys did. Um, I mean, the first is the title and the, the brief plot synopsis that Favreau gave us, you know, got me intrigued. And then seeing the, uh, the little bit more information that we got from StarWars.com and the first screenshot of it. Um, and I don't know, I mean, that's probably like a production still, um, that image that we got, but still, you know, just mm -hmm. seeing the character in costume, I mean, that was really cool. And it's kind of like, oh man, this is happening. And we're seeing, you know, first image of new live action Star Wars and, you know, this cool new Mandalorian design. So that got me even more hyped up. And then, yeah, just reading that list of directors and specifically Dave Filoni, um, because not only am I excited just for him to get the chance to direct live action, but I think that's going to be a huge boost for the series, too, that he is um, serving as an, as an executive producer and also um, directing the first episode, which is going to kind of give him an opportunity to, like, set the tone for how the series is going to kind of go and look and feel and stuff like that. Um, but also, I think it was really smart of Jon Favreau to, uh, you know, sort of want to collaborate with him on that. Um, and sort of rely on his expertise as far as Star Wars storytelling goes, because, I mean, Dave might not have a lot of live-action directing experience, but I would say at this point, aside from George Lucas, he has got to be, you know, the the next in line as far as gurus who are, you mm -hmm. know, masters of, of telling Star Wars stories. And, you but know, just... Kyle, what about J.J. Abrams? <laughs> He's made one movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, look, you look at you know, the sorry. number of hours of content. I know. I'm and, just being. Well, no, no, no I, I know. I know. But I'm just furthering my point. Like, look at how yeah. much how much Star Wars content, like on screen Star Wars content Dave is responsible for. I would say it's more than what George Lucas is responsible for, except technically all the all the stories in Clone Wars came from George anyways. Um, so, you know, but I and mean, just he this is, 
I'm sorry. I was just going to say, just this project in general just makes total sense for Dave Filoni to be involved when, like I said, he's worked with Favreau before about a Mandalorian story. I mean, he developed the whole backstory or helped develop with Lucas the whole backstory of Mandalore and its history, its mm-hmm. culture, its people. So the fact that he's being involved in this next chapter of the Mandalorian it just makes total sense. And it's just awesome that. You know, him and Favreau are continuing to work in that corner of the Star Wars galaxy dealing with the Mandalorian. It's just awesome. Yeah, I I love the fact that Favreau's working on it. I love the fact that Filoni's working on it. Um, like you, I mean, kind of like you said, Paul, I've always been, maybe not always, but at least ever since Clone Wars, I've been a huge fan of the Mandalorians. Um, in fact, I think shortly after... Uh, this announcement came out. I went back and rewatched uh, the Mandalore plot from season two of Clone Wars, which is like where they first kicked that whole thing off. Um, and that was one of my favorite story arcs throughout all of Clone Wars, not just the season five one when they team up with Maul, but from the very beginning of that in season two, when we're first introduced to the Death Watch, I was like, man, I want to see where this goes. Like, I hope this wasn't just a one-off story arc. I want to see these guys come back. I want to see them eventually fight you know, to try to overthrow Satine and finally take back Mandalore. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, who had been fans of the previous uh, EU stuff, um, you know, weren't all happy with the direction that they decided to take that in Clone Wars, but I had never really gotten into that stuff. Um, and so for me, I was just hooked, just hooked right from the get-go. Um, and then the places that they did take that were amazing. Um, and then continuing to see that in Rebels, I mean, was really cool. Also, I thought it was funny, Paul, you were talking about your Boba Fett shirt that you had as a kid. I completely did not do this on purpose, but I'm actually wearing a Boba Fett shirt right now as we're recording <laughs> this. So, um, it was just in your subconscious. You need to be talking about Mandalorians today. It just, it just, you just had to wear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just worked out too perfectly. But, um, yeah, I was feeling a little bit like you said, Tim, like I, cause we had heard those initial rumors that the show was maybe going to deal more with, um, the actual culture of like Mandalore itself and maybe settling, uh, you know, remaining unrest after the galactic civil war. And if there's remaining factions that are like loyal to the empire or death watch or whatever it is, um, you know, exploring kind of more of the actual politics and conflicts and stuff on Mandalore. Um, I'm hoping that that still plays a part in this series, whether it's either I definitely just, still think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it's just references backstory or mm-hmm. whether it starts out as, you know, this kind of Western feeling thing with just this lone gunfighter, but maybe they do eventually return to Mandalore at some point. Um, but I'm definitely thinking that, you know, even if all that stuff is not the main focus of the series, that it's got to be, you know, sort of built into the story at some point, which is also why I think it's so great to have Dave involved, because I think John Favreau could perfectly handle on his own, you know, just doing a cool, you know, sort of action oriented story about this Mandalorian bounty hunter just set in its own little corner of the Star Wars universe. But if you're going to connect it to existing Star Wars stories and existing mythology about the Mandalorians that's been built up through these other previous stories and stuff, like who better to bring in than the guy that was at the Mm -hmm. forefront of telling those other stories Um, and has told, you know, just so many stories. And I mean, like, even with Clone Wars and Rebels, you look at just all the little Easter eggs and little connections and all that kind of stuff that's there for us fans to find. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of that stuff in The Mandalorian as well. Um, but even, you know, and Tim, I don't know if you want to get into some of the speculation about possible stuff. Um, 
you know, if we do end up going back to Mandalore at some point, I mean, I, this thought just kind of crossed my mind the other day as I was thinking about this and I was like, how freaking cool would it be to finally see the dark saber in live action? Yeah, man, I think that's a pretty high possibility. I would say, yeah, (laughs) we're, I'm expecting a lot of callbacks. Like you mentioned with Dave Filoni being involved, knowing all the history of Mandalore and what he's worked on in Clone Wars and Rebels. There's got to be quite a few callbacks. Not necessarily like we're going to see those things, everything that happened in Clone Wars and Rebels, but I think you'll definitely hear mentions of it. And we will see some of those things. I think the Darksaber will be one of them. And, you know, just as we know the general plot synopsis of the series, we don't know like what the crux of like the motivation for this character of the Mandalorian. What's it going to be about? Is it something where... You know, he's trying to get away from the Mandalorian culture, like after everything that happened with the Empire, maybe what we speculated about the series might be where the different clans and families are struggling and fighting for power and to rule over Mandalore. That's kind of in the background of what's going on. And this character wants nothing to do with that. And that's why he's kind of becoming the lone gunfighter. But yet, depending on how the stories goes and the characters he meets with, maybe eventually he's going to have to be you know, led back to Mandalore to face that something that he doesn't want to so which brings a possibility of us seeing mandalore and the dark saber again and then the things that we could speculate on is like also too is some returning characters that we've seen in mandalore episodes with clone wars and rebels and but before i mentioned that i mean the biggest ones i mean i'm just going to go straight to the plot synopsis here the beginning of it where it says after the stories of Django and boba fett another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think they just put the names Jango Fett and Boba Fett in there just because they're the two most popular Mandalorians. I don't know how, I don't know why, but definitely, well, obviously not Jango Fett, (laughs) unfortunately, but Boba Fett, I just have a feeling he's going to play a role in here somehow, some way. And part of me is thinking, is this new Mandalorian, is he somehow like trying to, Bring, like live up to the legacy of Boba Fett, like carry on that torch if he believes he's still dead from the Sarlacc pit. Is he someone that's going to carry on that mantle? Maybe not necessarily be called Boba Fett, but Boba Fett is who he is trying to be and make his way in the universe. And I'm kind of wondering too, just from a, a Lucasfilm standpoint of what they want to do with the character of Boba Fett, because we know about the potential movie from James Mangold being in development. Um, and we know kind of the situation with Boba Fett and his backstory that we got in Attack of the Clones. How I'm sure well, I'm not, I know it for a fact. There are some people who don't like that. They want the total mystery of Boba Fett. They love, you know, the man without a name and without a face where the helmet is his face. I'm kind of thinking, is this Lucasfilm's way of kind of getting a character back like that? He's a Mandalorian. We're not going to know what he really looks like. As you were saying, Paul, maybe we don't even see what he looks like without the helmet. Maybe we won't get his backstory. We won't learn about it until much later, or if not ever. Is this kind of their way of bringing a Mandalorian character back like that so they can have a new character who was like Boba Fett before Attack of the Clones, uh, but he's still a Mandalorian and wears that armor? But yet, once they do tell new Boba Fett stories, they can still carry on uh, the canon story of him, of him being a clone and uh, being a clone of Jango Fett and having that history and having that be a part. be a part of his story because I remember Kyle like back in our early episodes when there was those rumors about oh they're gonna retcon Boba Fett story mm-hmm. they really don't want to make him a clone how upset I was by that and how they better not do that <laughs> so 
this is kind of a way to have the best of both worlds, I think. I'm sure there'll be some fans who this still won't be good enough. They want Boba Fett to be that lone gunman character, and this one might not be... This new character might not be the same as that, and I can totally understand it, but it's kind of, to me anyway, a best scenario where you can kind of have Mandalorian characters, or at least characters with Mandalorian armor, <laughs> be the lone gunman and one that has the story um, that we know for Boba Fett to have um, since we got Attack of the Clones. So this is... Again, potentials with Boba Fett, I don't know how it's going to play out, whether this guy is just trying to live up or carry on the legacy of Boba Fett. Will Boba Fett show up? I mean, it could be something, too, where Bo- is Boba Fett going to be like the mentor character here? Is he, Will this be the avenue if the movie, if that does happen, takes place within the original trilogy before Return of the Jedi, where he falls into the Sarlacc pit? Is this Lucasfilm's avenue now to finally confirm <laughs> that he survived the Sarlacc pit? And this is our first look at him coming out of the pit and what he's doing in the galaxy after that time. And maybe it is uh, training this lone gunfighter. But I kind of feel that won't be the case because the lone gunfighter described in the description is going to be traveling the galaxy and probably not going to be having a mentor like over the kind of looking out for him for most of the series. That's the impression I get right now. But I've also heard discussions and speculation, too, is like, is this Mandalorian actually Boba Fett? Is that going to be a possibility? Because one of the points I've been seeing a lot of once this image first came out, that this is costume design um, is pretty similar to the early concepts of Star Wars 1313, mm-hmm. which we all knew was supposed to be kind of the early adventures of Boba Fett in his armor. So is this their way to kind of tell a little bit of that story as well? A new story with Boba Fett, kind of looking how we looked in that game. So there's just tons of different scenarios you could think about the possibilities of having a big legacy character like Boba Fett be involved. Because, like I said, I don't think it's they're just throwing him and Jango Fett's name in there just to get us excited. I think there's a story possibilities that's going to play out there as well. So it's going to be interesting. But if I were to bet on it, I think Boba Fett, large or small, will play somewhat some role in this new series. Well, I think that Boba Fett and Jango Fett well, their their legacies will play a role in this mm-hmm. se- TV series. I'm not sure if they're going to be in it because I think they're going to save them but, for well, Django. Definitely won't. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, even Boba Fett, I don't think will. I I, I kind of think that they're probably going to leave Boba Fett dead in the Starlight Pit. Mm, I think that, but because I also think that, but I mean, here's the thing: you could also have Boba Fett be the main antagonist, like. And, and build up towards him and maybe in the series, not even the season, but in a series where they're mm. eventually going to, you know, duke it out or something. Uh. That's, that'd be really amazing actually. But you know, with, with the rumors of the Boba Fett film, I've saw people online say that like, you know, maybe this is their way of getting a Boba Fett film on screen. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're two different, they're very different things. Cause the Mandalorian, it already sounds like he's more of a vigilante, more than a b- bounty hunter. Boba Fett's a bounty hunter. He's kind of, yeah. he's, he's a bad guy, but not a bad guy. He's not even an anti-hero. I'd say, I'd say Boba Fett's kind of pretty much a bad guy, but he's just works for money. Um, this guy, if he, if I'm reading the, you know, if I'm speculating responsibly, uh, I would say he's probably not. He may be more of an anti-hero himself and, and a vigilante, if you will. And that's what it seems like. What I think what's going to happen is that he's going to use, and again, I, I love I love this. It's very, this is very superhero comic book stuff, so this is kind of crossing the streams here. Tim will understand what I'm talking about. Um, is I think he's going to be inspired by the Boba Fett 
character maybe in a way mm-hmm. where he likes the idea of someone not knowing what he looks like or who he is and in in Maybe we know what he looks like because he's we know he's a clone of whatever, but maybe the the galaxy doesn't. And I think that's what's kind of um, or, or at least, you know, majority of the galaxy. I mean, obviously, takes off take the uh, he's helmet less in the Clone Wars and all that stuff. But, you know, I wondered if he's using Boba Fett and Jango Fett as an example to hide and conceal his identity or to use the intimidation factor of you know being you know the mandalorian armor and maybe he isn't a mandalorian maybe he's you know and that's the whole thing is what's really fascinating is that we know that jango fett and boba fett are not mandalorians that's that's that came from george lucas it could be retconned now that was another thing i was curious about you guys with this press release because like you said we know that george lucas said they're not mandalorians but reading this i'm kind of thinking are they going to retcon that to make it where possible they are so that's going to be an interesting thing too because i wouldn't yeah, rule that out as possibility as well you can retcon it and yeah. i don't and i, I don't go ahead Tim, well i just always kind of question too because the only place that came from was uh prime minister almec says it in clone wars yeah. um and you but know that, but, when but when obi-wan it, for though. what well dave said it because george told him that well right but i'm just saying like was I mean, oh, I, I always wondered. Canon, you're saying. Uh, yeah, like hearing Almec say that in the episode, I always wondered, like, is that definitive or is that just his point of view? Is he trying to be defensive and be like, we want nothing to do with that guy because he puts a bad name on us new Mandalorians that are trying to be pacifists? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so there's definitely ways to wiggle out of that if they wanted to, <laughs> to yeah. make them be true Mandalorians if they decide to go that like in the in the universe, it's kind of hasn't been set in stone definitively yet. Yeah, but um, man, I mean, Tim, I was right there with you as far as all that kind of speculation went and stuff the first time I read this because, you know, I was thinking, you know, could this possibly be Boba Fett? Um, I personally don't think it will be. Um, just because, I mean, it looks like, you know, it's a completely new outfit, although you did bring up the similarities to 1313. Um, and I'm not ruling, I'm not completely ruling it out, um, that this is, you know, definitely not Boba Fett because it could be, it just seems a little weird that they'd be like, well, after the stories of Boba and Django Fett comes the story of a new Mandalorian, but they could also just be trying to throw us off the trail and there could, you know, maybe it's going to be a big surprise reveal at some point that this guy actually is Boba Fett. But I was thinking more along the lines of what you said of like, is this, you know, maybe did John Favreau have this idea of like, okay, let's just create a new Mandalorian character and go back to that idea of, you know, what everybody thought Boba Fett was growing up, you know, especially like the fans that grew up with the original trilogy before attack of the clones. And before we find out that he's a clone and we see his face and nobody looks like, um, you know, like you said, kind of the second best thing because you can't go back and retcon that. Instead, let's just like create a, a new character to sort of fill those shoes of that mysterious, faceless, just lone gunman um, that you can tell all kinds of, you know, cool Western outlaw type stories about. Um, and so I think I that's sort of my guess for what the the premise of the show is going to be. Um Although, like I said, I do definitely hope it sort of connects to the overall larger story arc of Mandalore and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be cool to see, uh, you know, a a new Mandalorian in sort of that same tradition. And, hey, if we never see their face, um, 
I'd be cool with that. Although I would, I would assume we're probably going to see it at some point, but I think it's, you know, it might be like a big reveal at some point. Um, or, but I don't know. Also too, don't you think if they were doing this official press release, they announced all the directors, the title of the show, the first image of the main character, I think they would have announced like the main lead actor or actress for it. Yes. If, if they were going to have it, we're, this is a Mandalorian character who's going to show his face. I don't know. I think the more I think about it, the more likely I think it is that we won't see this character's face and we will just maybe hear the voice. Yeah. And that's a good point too. Or, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I think it would be hard to go the entire series and never see their face because then people are going to want to know, like, who is this guy? Like we, as the audience are going to want to know. Um, but that could be a reveal that they save for, you know, somewhere way down the line. And it's probably not going to be some shocking twist like, oh, my gosh, like it's actually turns out to be Boba Fett or, you know, whoever else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe they will show up, maybe they won't. But I, I do think a large part of the series is going to be based on just the imagery of that Mandalorian helmet. Um, and, uh, you know, just having it be that sort of I- iconic Mandalorian character as opposed to you know, the face of whatever human character is underneath that. But yeah, I mean, the fact that they didn't announce any actors with this, especially when, I mean, it seems like the show is in production right now. It would be one thing if they were, you know, just announcing some basic stuff, you know, directors and things like that, like months ahead of time. Because they do that with the movies. Like, you know, we know, like when a new Star Wars movie is coming out, like they'll announce the... Well, I guess they don't announce the title right away because we still don't know the title for episode nine. But like we knew that J.J. Abrams was directing it months and months ago. Um, But it was just like a couple months ago when they started filming that they were like, okay, here's the official press release start of filming and here's all the cast and all that. I mean, it seems like this is what they're doing for The Mandalorian. But yeah, no actor announcements, Um, which is very interesting. And I wonder if we'll maybe get that revealed later down the line. Yeah. I mean, I would think at least at Celebration next year, they'll probably introduce at least some supporting cast members. And I don't know, maybe they're going to keep it a big secret the whole time as far as who the lead actor is. Um, Or maybe they'll introduce the lead actor and just say, hey, it doesn't matter because you're not going to see their face. But it seems like that's (laughs) part of the mystery that you would want to keep. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it is really weird they haven't announced a cast yet. Like, that is really baffling to me if they're already started filming and they're already or at least they're getting like a lot of like little stuff done maybe well i'm assuming they're doing filming because they're filming you know but it's obviously all just kind of more i don't want to say second unit stuff but it seems like more just minimal stuff it seems like mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of uh set stuff they're going to be doing um or uh, studio, I should say, excuse me, not set, but all, all of it's set, but not really much location shooting, but mostly all, uh, you know, stage shooting. So what for me is what I'm wondering is all this outsourced stuff they're filming now is all really basic stuff. And it's like, man, when, when are the main cast going to come in? And it's really, it's fascinating. And, and you all, you also got to wonder too, is whoever is under the helmet, is not really the main actor, but is the main actor going to voice them and do a voiceover? Yeah. Like you have, like mm. you have the picture of the Mandalorian and he or she, I'm assuming is not there. They have someone else in there just doing the shots or whatever. And they're just, or maybe they are there, but I, I highly doubt it. I think we would have leaked by now if that was the case. 
or maybe they, they are, and they're just not a very well-known actor or actress that they they probably are, um, you know, they, they, no one knows who they are, and they don't, they don't know, you know, from whatever. So to me, it, what's really fascinating is that we haven't got a cast at all, and it's we've got rumors of a cast, but we and they're filming right now, so it's really baffling to me that what's going on, and it, I feel like. They're maybe they are going to wait for like a major tra- uh, trailer to reveal the cast and they're just going to keep it secret. I don't know if they can keep it secret that long, but it's really fascinating and it's uh, it's really unique. This whole Mandalorian thing. Imagine, you know, 20 years ago, 20 years ago and guys and the fact that we're going to get a Mandalorian TV series. I would have told you that I would have came from the future and said to him <laughs> and Kyle, we're going to uh, we're going to be a TV show. You're going to be able to watch it via your xbox or playstation your <laughs> 20 years ago that would have meant nothing to me i'd be like what the heck is an xbox wait isn't I, it I, i'd be going well paul i don't care about that right now episode one the first trailer is gonna oh, hit in a month yeah I'm exactly like, That's all i care about uh, yeah uh, 20 years ago, okay 15 years ago you big jerk geez yeah. um, <laughs> um but you know what i'm saying like yeah, going back yeah. in time and told you guys you guys would, would have been blowing your minds and wouldn't have believed any any word i said and it would have been like, yeah, whatever, Mandalorian TV series, you know, whatever. Now it's, it's just so weird to see like in 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 action. It yeah. just can I just say for a really a really quick moment that I'm really bummed because I really would have loved George Lucas doing all the stuff. You know, mm. I really, I, I almost, I almost think again, George is so ahead of his time that because he was he wanted to do a TV series for Star Wars, and it was too expensive. And now with everything going on, he probably could have done it if he would if if he was just yeah. would have waited a little bit longer. He would have had the TV series he wanted to do. Uh, you know, he had done the movies he wanted to do. It's just it's just for me. I'm a little little bummed. I kind of feel like George would have loved all the do. You know, or I'm not sure if he would have loved to do all this because obviously he gave it up because he didn't want to do it anymore. But mm-hmm. I just it, a little part of me just kind of miss, wishes that George could have been involved in a lot of the stuff and. You know, it's just a little bit of a bummer, but, uh, but yeah, this is really exciting. Yeah. Now I know what you mean. I feel like I miss him more with the movies though, because it just seems like, I mean, I know he had his own idea for a TV series and I would, I mean, I hope somebody still makes that someday. Cause I know the scripts are all still sitting around somewhere. I wonder if they'll even use some of those scripts if they can kind of rework them and have them fit into this story was cause I was supposed to be like called star Wars underworld about doing about the criminal organizations and all that type of stuff. I wonder right. if they can rework some of them to fit it into the Mandalorian. Yeah. But also, I mean, it seems like if anything, like if George were to ever like still be in charge of star Wars, but hand something off to somebody else to be like, here, I'll let you make this. I mean, it seems like this would be the kind of thing, um, that would be like a perfect side project for somebody else anyways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I any more George Lucas Star Wars I would be excited for. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I'm so excited for Clone Wars next year, too, because, I mean, I'm assuming they're just dusting off the old scripts that they made when George was still running the show. Um, and they're just going to, you know, produce those into uh, the finished animation for those final episodes. And so that I think those are going to be kind of like the last George Lucas Star Wars stories we're ever going to get. Hmm. Um that's an interesting point. And we didn't really talk about that when we were had our episode about the Clone Wars coming back. But that is a good point. I mean, this 
first new Star Wars that we're getting in a long time that's coming from George Lucas and as part of his story. That's, yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. It makes it even more exciting once we finally get those episodes. Yeah, I mean, more or less, because like it wasn't his decision, obviously, to go back and you know finish those final episodes, but they're still going to be based on stories that he you know helped create. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that and looking forward to Clone Wars for a multitude of reasons that we don't need to. <laughs> talk about right now because we talk about that every episode i feel like but um (laughs) yeah but i'm i'm really excited for the mandalorian too um and i'm uh, I'm sorry i'll let you finish (laughs) oh i was just gonna say i'm i'm really excited to see what john favreau can do with this i mean we already talked about um kind of his skills as a director and a storyteller and his previous involvement with star wars but also i think this is going to be the perfect kind of little side project to test the waters of like these live action series and stuff Mm -hmm. um because you know i'm starting to agree with you paul i think this would be the perfect avenue for like the the star wars story kind of things um i think you know maybe they got lucky and captured lightning in a bottle with rogue one because it was like this epic war story that made for a really good movie yeah Um, but you know i mean i'm not super excited about i mean as much as i would love an obi-wan movie like i'm really intrigued by the idea of these star wars stories and you know when they first announced like the anthology movies i was all into that but i don't want just a bunch of spinoff movies about a bunch of characters that we already know like the thing i was most excited about that was like i'm like okay let's have a star wars story that's you know based on you know that's about a mandalorian or a jedi that we never saw during the movies or something you know these stories that could sort of loosely connect to the main saga but just go off and tell their own stories like if it's just gonna be a han solo movie and a yoda movie and a boba fett movie and all that kind of stuff like i'm not like I'll go see those movies and I love those characters, but I want to branch out and do new stuff. So I'm really excited for this. And I feel like if it was a movie, I would maybe be a little bit more nervous. Like, Oh, okay. So they're putting, you know, a $200 million budget into, you know, just one big movie about some random Mandalorian that we've never met. Like, is this too big of a risk? Is it going to live up to the hype? But you know, with a TV series, I feel like there's a lot more freedom to like, you know, you tell a different story every week. And if one episode's not that great, you have a big epic battle or something the next episode. Um, And I feel like it's sort of a more fertile ground to like, you know, just branch out into all these different areas of Star Wars that we've never really seen before without that pressure of like having to perform really well at the box office and put out a movie every year and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, hopefully this will be the first, uh, you know, I, I hope this series ends up being really good and I hope it ends up doing really well um and encouraging a lot of people to sign up for the streaming service and you know get them uh, a lot of revenue and a lot of interest in star wars to be able to make future content and hopefully it's the first of many successful uh you know star wars spinoff series yeah i'm kind of jumping off what you're talking about right now about you know this being an opportunity to explore more different avenues of those star wars galaxy and characters that we didn't really get to so far in the new movies another thing that has me excited about that we potentially could get um depending on how much the mandalorian will deal with you know mandalorian history and the planet of mandalore and all that because like we're talking about earlier how siege of mandalore could be you know as we see those episodes could be a nice lead into this one but i also wonder too if we can even go back further in history and get more stuff like further back with mandalorian uh, culture and history and potentially see it might be going too crazy with expectations and excitement but i think there is 
potentially if they wanted to, they could explore like the Jedi Mandalorian war that mm-hmm. we know happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kanan said it to Sabine when he was training with the dark saber, how the Jedi beat the Mandalorians and like different story possibilities have been coming in my head. Like what if this Mandalorian, the lead character in the series, like what if he's kind of like a descendant from like way back of someone who fought in those wars or he's, he has families who fought in there. Like he's trying to get away from that, history or whatnot i don't know some way to work that in but i mean the potential of maybe having an episode that's like an entire flashback oh dude well i i thought about that too i couldn't help but think about that because you know who in the expanded universe stories led the jedi to victory in the war over the mandalorians one of my personal favorites darth revan (laughs) who i still you know just seeing an old republic set you know, movie or a series or whatever, and especially dealing with the Mandalorian Wars, which is something that was like, like even in the old, the Knights of the Old Republic video games, that was kind of like backstory. And I know they had like some comics that kind of explored it, but I feel like that was never really like the main focus of the story. But I felt like, I mean, that could have been a really interesting story in its own right. Um, so yeah, I mean, give me a series about Revan and the Jedi fighting the Mandalorians any day, man, or like the ancient Jedi versus Sith war that we see the remnants of on Malachor in Star Wars Rebels. Like, I'm all about that stuff. Because, yeah, I think this is a perfect avenue to explore more of that for the hardcore fans like us who would geek out of seeing like Revan and more of that lore that we knew about from the EU and have it be brought into the main canon. It's just, I think, would be perfect. And you know, another thing that makes me believe that it's a possibility that we could see something like that is the budget they have for it. I mean, we've compared it to Game of Thrones as having the kind of the similar budget to that when that information came out. And we've seen the great battles that Game of Thrones had over the years. And just to kind of put that in the Star Wars front, the Jedi Mandalorian just kind of have a whole episode or at least a good portion of an episode being like that. I mean, how amazing would that be? It's just so many potentials I think you can have with this. And again, I'm... We might be thinking and going a little too crazy with the speculation. It is called The Mandalorian. <laughs> it's going to focus on this character. That's why uh, going back to was kind of surprised that it didn't pan out to be made about Mandalore and the Mandalorians as we first thought with some of those early reports. But the potential is still there. Definitely not going to rule it out. But again, that's what's great that this is a TV show. If we don't get it the first season, they can do it in the second season or the third season. There's just so much they could do on this with the lore of the Mandalorians. It just makes it so exciting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. I mean, getting this news last week and our first look at it was just so, so cool. And again, like I said at the intro, we're become so accustomed just to being excited about the new movies whenever we get new images of that because it's live action. That's the only live action Star Wars we get. And now we're getting more live action new star wars but this time it's on the tv front and it's just as exciting (laughs) as i feel when we get new stuff about the movie so it's just awesome yeah definitely um man next year is gonna be a super exciting year dude man it just might be the best star wars year ever (laughs) i think it might be i mean we're gonna have gosh okay so here's all the star wars stuff we're getting next year we're getting episode nine obviously clone wars presumably the mandalorian um not to mention for us video game fans, I think Jedi Fallen Order is supposed to come out around the holidays next year, and the beginning of next supposed year we'll to. have more. <laughs> uh, the beginning of next year we'll have more uh, Clone Wars content coming for Battlefront, so we'll finally have like Geonosis and Obi Wan and Anakin and th- all that kind of stuff. Um, 
plus you know resistance is still going to be going and we'll be getting new novels and comics and all that kind of stuff i mean it's gonna be huge and celebration man who knows what new stuff we're gonna get announced there maybe it won't come out in 2019 but it'll just be part of the excitement of 2019 yeah <laughs> getting to know what's coming next afterwards so tons of stuff yeah definitely um well yeah i mean Definitely a lot of exciting stuff going on there with The Mandalorian. Um, very much looking forward to that series and seeing what uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and company have in store for us. Um, but let's move on. Uh, just one other thing we had to talk about that's sort of related to, you know, also the movie and TV news. Um, just uh, there was a story from The Hollywood Reporter that uh, Kathleen Kennedy has extended her deal as the president of Lucasfilm for three more years. So we can finally put all those rumors to rest that, you know, she was going to be getting fired this year and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, we'll see what the future holds as far as, um, I don't know, any changes they might make. I mean, again, you know, the the people that, I mean, obviously there are some people that were just straight out calling for her to be fired because they don't like, you know, the direction that she's taken Star Wars. Um, and I mean, to each their own, I guess. I don't think any of us here on this show are anti-Kathleen Kennedy people. But then, you know, there were the rumors that like, oh, Disney's unhappy with her because of the, you know, division of the fan base and the way that Solo has been unsuccessful and all that. And again, I see all that as just a knee-jerk reaction to one bad period you know you had one movie in the last jedi that got a lot of divisive reaction which by the way there was a report that came out recently i don't know how accurate this is that a lot of that was like fueled by russian bots which i actually would not be surprised about because i mean sure there are a lot of people that have very split opinions on the movie but there are also just some straight up trolls that yeah i'm the type of people that were like attacking kelly marie tran and all that kind of stuff um but, you know, you, so you have one divisive movie and then one movie that didn't quite live up to expectations at the box office. Um, you know, I don't think that's a call to abandon ship and fire the president and completely start over. We already know from, you know, the stuff we talked about with Bob Iger on our last episode that they may be making some changes in the future um, and kind of looking at different ways of doing things. But it's not the firestorm that some people make it out to be. So um, Kathleen Kennedy's still in charge. Everything is all well and good. And uh, I mean, it definitely seems like with the Mandalorian, like we were just talking about, I mean, that, that's a sign that things are headed in the right direction. And I think that's gotten a lot of fans really excited. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars announcement, those are a couple big things this year that have seemed to really sort of unite the fan base. And so that's been good to see. Um, and hopefully we'll get a lot more uh, positive response to those sort of things. Um, and yeah, we'll just see where they go with it. Yeah, so this is obviously great news for me to hear. I mean, I've said it before how much I think Kathleen Kennedy has done a great job being in charge of Lucasfilm and bringing Star Wars back. But I got to be honest, part of the reason I like this news was <laughs> was kind of a slap in those face to all those, you know, really like downright toxic people and so-called fans calling for Kathleen Kennedy's head and even saying for a fact she could be fired by this fall. I think they said September. And then this is when the story came out at the end of the month <laughs> that her contract got renewed for three, three more years. So that was awesome to see how wrong they were about that. So that was great. But I don't know, there were some interesting little bits and pieces here in the article that the Hollywood reporter uh, mentioned here when I was talking about, um, her new contract that I found pretty interesting. Nothing really new, but just kind of the wording of certain things. And 
it was kind of going back to what we were talking about in our last episode and specifically what you were saying, Paul, how the future really is going to be, I think, on the streaming service because in the Hollywood Reporter's uh, article, they said that the plan for Lucasfilm is to like really move forward, um, is to expand the universe even more through television, which, you know, we're assuming is mainly going to be the streaming service. I don't know. Maybe they will have something for network TV, but I think for the most part, it's all going to be on the Disney streaming service. So it really just drives home the point and kind of what we were talking about, how uh, that is the future where we're going to see a lot more new Star Wars uh, projects on there. And maybe this is just me, but I did find it pretty interesting that, again, kind of like how Bob Iger only mentioned uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss as their Star Wars project as like the only film announcement after episode nine in the Hollywood reporter. It mentions them first, but then it says um, mentions Ryan Johnson's uh, project, but it only says it as a potential trilogy now. So mm-hmm. we were kind of talking about that before too, as far as what anything changed in the plans for that and what he's working on, because we know he's has another movie project coming on that he's going to be doing first. So maybe his new star Wars project, isn't only going to be, or isn't going to be a trilogy, but maybe we're just going to start off as one film for right now. So I don't know. I just found those, points a little interesting and maybe just if anything kind of reaffirming for what we talked about our our last episodes about some potential slowdown and like maneuvering they're going to do with their future projects yeah and you know i'll just say this now as far as ryan johnson goes um i mean i would not be i wouldn't be surprised if those plans end up changing for two reasons one because it seemed like when they signed him on to do another trilogy, I mean, it's not like they had any plans for a story. They just thought, yeah. you know, they thought things went really well with The Last Jedi and that they had a great, you know, working relationship. And he and Kathleen Kennedy seemed to really enjoy working together. They're like, hey, let's do more of this and, you know, make more movies together. Um that was the initial plan. And so, you know, if things were to get shuffled around, it's not like, oh, we're losing out on this great story idea. Cause I mean, we don't even know if he has a story idea for that trilogy yet. Um, and then secondly, I mean, I, I'm certainly not calling for him to, you know, back down or anything like that. It just, you know, I can't help but think, you know, you think of even George Lucas who basically retired and said, you know, he had these ideas for coming back and making episodes seven, eight, and nine. And I think a big part of the reason why he decided to retire and sell it to Disney and let them do it instead was because of all the criticism that he had faced, you know, from Mm -hmm. the prequels and stuff. And he even said in interviews, you know, you get to a certain point where like, if people are just going to, you know, crap all over the stuff you make, you just don't want to make it anymore. Um, And so I wonder if, you know, maybe Ryan Johnson is feeling some of that same thing too. Like, again, I'm, I'm certainly not advocating for, I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, the last Jedi sucked. Ryan Johnson should step down. But there are so many people saying that that like, I wouldn't blame him if he's like, nah, screw this. Um, and I, I hope that's not the case. I certainly hope that, you know, the toxic Star Wars fans haven't bullied him out of this. Um, and you know, if it's for the best, if he decides like, Hey, maybe we jump to conclusions and I actually don't have a good story to tell or whatever. I don't know. And I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself either. Cause we don't know for a fact that this is like not happening. Um, but just, you know, like you said, the past couple times that this has been brought up and that, you know, we all assumed that that was going to be sort of the next big thing that episode nine was going to be the conclusion to the Skywalker saga and that Ryan Johnson's trilogy was going to be sort of the next main star Wars thing after that. Um, 
and that then Benioff and Weiss would be doing their own thing, whatever, when like after Game of Thrones was done. And now that it seems like that's the next thing on the back burner just kind of makes you wonder, like, mm, is there something going on with Ryan Johnson there? So I don't know. Um, I'm mean, personally, I still would like to see, you know, him get a chance to tell more Star Wars stories. Um, and especially starting with a, a fresh slate and being able to just, you know, mm-hmm, create yeah. new characters and a new story. And because I think, you know, there was certainly a lot of pressure with The Last Jedi that I think he handled very well, but obviously he had certain ideas about certain characters and things that just didn't mesh with, like, the stories that people wanted to see. I think, and for me personally, because I have my own issues with the movie. I mean, we've talked about that. I loved it at first, and then over time went, eh, I don't know about certain things, though. Like, But I think The Last Jedi like standalone by itself is a very good movie. I think it's the, like, you know, everybody's investment in Luke Skywalker and wanting to see him go in a different direction than where Ryan Johnson took him is what causes so much of the, you know, the divisiveness and stuff. Um, and so I think given a fresh slate to just, you know, kind of carve out his own little area of the universe and create his own characters and, you know, do what he wants without those audience expectations lingering over it. I think he could do some really fantastic stuff. So I would still love to see that. Um, I think that with Ryan Johnson and the whole Kathleen Kennedy thing, I think they learned, I think they learned that they can't go to the well too many times with star Wars at, at, at the theater. Now I I think the, I don't want to say they underestimated like, you know, um, people, but I think what they did was they uh, they underestimated the fact that they can you know give full control to these creators and expect people to accept what they do wholeheartedly because as George Lucas found out that people will turn on you if they don't think that you're going the direction that they they want you to go not mm-hmm. and 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 that's the thing I want to make it very clear I I'm very conflicted still on the last Jedi I gotta see what happens with the whole story with episode nine in order for me to you know give episode eight the past because there's things I love about it and things I don't like about it still and I I'm still conflicted uh, with, with George Lucas, he, he went a direction that no one thought, and they re, and a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people loved it, and I think more people have accepted it now over time. And it's re, and it's definitely I definitely feel that the prequels are way more loved now than they were, you know, 20, 15 years ago. Oh, for I sure. I think so. With that being said, I think what Bob Iger, Kathleen Kennedy, and even Ryan Johnson thought, like. Well, I'm just gonna tell a different story. We're gonna do our thing, and Star Wars is in you know impenetrable with 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 uh, without George. And I think they realize how powerful Star Wars is because JJ basically made you know a new hope <laughs> verbatim. I mean, I, I like Force Awakens, but let's be real here, people. Force Awakens is very much a Star Wars New Hope, and it's it, it, it. I still think it's great. It's still solid, but it, it didn't try to push the narrative or, or, or anything. And then rogue one, um, was something that was very, was different, but it was, it was in the, still in the same vein. And it looked my dog, my dog just gagged. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, it, it's in the same vein as the star Wars, uh, you know, what you're familiar with, like stormtroopers and things like that. And I think like you kind of mentioned it earlier, Kyle, it was very much lightning in a bottle. I thought like just a combination of different characters and and the idea of the story about a, a ragtag team and it was a one and done kind of story. It was it's more of a unique thing and it ended up being like a, a lightning in a bottle, if you will. I, I think it just was the perfect you know feeling for what after happened with the the Force Awakens because you came you came with. Uh, 
a, a more of a war film. Again, it's different, but it felt similar. Whereas the force awakens was literally completely similar and everything looked the same. Whereas you kind of, you kind of gave rogue one a pass because it takes place in the era that you love. Right. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. not, it's not a 30 years later with ships and stormtroopers and stuff that are still trying to evoke the feel of the original trilogy. It's like, no, this is, this is the original trilogy. So it should <laughs> yes. be exactly the same. So with, with all this, I'm getting a long winded way of saying this, but bear with me. So when you have all this and you have, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger and, and Lucasfilm and Alan Horn, and they're all like, Oh, this is great. Star Wars, you know, is impenetrable. We're going to do great. And they just, they got to recoup their money on their $6 billion investment. And granted they're making plenty of money off of it, but again, they're getting greedy and they're thinking we can put out these movies every two years, join, do the Marvel method. We'll do one a year and see what happens. And, you know, obviously with Han Solo, they, they made mistakes, but I think, Ultimately, the biggest mistakes was letting like the last Jedi. I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but I would say that they they underestimated the things that Ryan was doing and Kathleen Kennedy underestimated those things. And so what happened was the ramifications that you did, you thought you were, you know, you were unstoppable. And while you were making the last Jedi, you had the successful force awakens and you felt like, well, we can take this story in different directions like we did with with the Empire Strikes Back and people aren't going to care. Because or they're going to care, but it's going to be shocking. They're going to be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, all that stuff. They all they all had even they probably wouldn't admit it. They all thought fans would get over it, but they didn't. And they let Ryan Johnson and they underestimated, you know, and I wouldn't say it's Ryan's fault necessarily because they let him do it. Right. This is his it's his fault because it's his idea, but they let him do it. And when they let him do it, it really caused a rift. And that rift went to Solo. And Solo had its own ma- massive problems. So I think they realized the, so- the the Star Wars films in the theater are not untouchable. And I think how Episode Nine performs really will dictate that TV thing going forward. And I think they're already noticing, you know what, to save ourselves from everything let's just focus on tv now i think what's interesting uh what reason i bring this all up is because what tim said about kathleen kennedy you know talking about you know the you know his trilogy or whatever it keeps being downplayed you know or or kind of talked about and the the double d's from the game of thrones uh producers their films to me that's what's coming next that's what bob Iger talked about in his uh press conference or whatever but here's the deal, guys. I'm gonna go ahead and on, I'm on record. I'm gonna say it's. I think it's without a doubt. Ryan Johnson's trilogy is not being made. I don't think he makes another film for Star Wars. Wow. Hmm. I just don't think so. I don't think it's gonna happen. He's making another movie right now, and you know, and granted, he's not. You know, but here's the thing. If you wanted to make, because this is the thing, unless it's going straight to the streaming service, I think. I think to me, it's for thirty percent. It goes to streaming service if he do, if it does make one. But I don't think it, may, it gets made because if he was going to be if he was invested in Star Wars again, I don't think he makes another movie. I think he goes straight into production. Yeah, I could be thinking, too, or what you were saying, Kyle, all the backlash he got and all the comments he probably had to deal with and fans on Twitter and all that. Maybe he just needed a break for a little bit to kind of get his mind onto something else before it comes back to Star Wars. But, yeah, that know. could be, too. But at the same time, if you do that. There's no promise to you they're going to give you a trilogy because, again, how long yeah. is Kathleen Kennedy still going to be around for? Yeah, that's Another true. Three well, three years? more years for at yeah. least. 
Yeah. So if let's say she's done it for three years, there's no there's no dedication that Ryan Johnson. This business is shrewd, man. You're not promised anything. So the fa- let's assume that he does do that. He's risking the fact that he may never get a chance to do Star Wars. I think. I here's what I think. I think they thought Kathleen Kennedy loved working with Ryan because he did it fast. He did it. You know, he he made a he made a, a very concise film. He did what he wanted. It was he was he done it on time. It was no problems on set for the most part. You know, with all of them barring the, the the normal like everyday probably set problems or whatever. But that being said, he handled it with grace. He she loved working with them. Was like this is perfect. It's gonna be great. Let's let's just nail them down now because fans are gonna love this because it's Star Wars. And then last Jedi happened and it split fandom down the middle. And then Ryan Johnson is you know has defended himself and gone out there and, and I think it's it's fine to do that but I think he's definitely had you know people he, he's been defending himself, defending himself against people attacking him and you know I to be honest I just don't know if he's done himself any favors with Disney I don't maybe he has I don't know but to me I think he's I think he's I think I don't think he'll he'll come back I think they want to move on from it I think the last Jedi has been so toxic for I think uh, people. I mean, I know, I know people love it, and, and they'll, they'll stay like, "Just it's so great." How could people say it's bad? Get over the fact that people hate this movie. Like they do. There's people, and granted, those people are, are some. Well, those people are awful because they're they're making people they're being awful about it. But there's people out there that love Star Wars that aren't being jerks about it. They just don't like the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's and and I'm not saying that everyone loved the Force Awakens, but I'd say more people like the Force Awakens, obviously, than the Last Jedi. And that's the thing. Last Jedi split everyone down the middle. Not everyone who you know didn't like the movie is is trashing the movie and, and being awful on the internet. Some of those people are the people that buy toys and buy the merchandise and buy tickets over and over again for Star Wars. And maybe they only bought Solo once and saw Solo once in the theater and went, you know, I'm good because I just saw Star Wars and it disappointed me. And I saw this, this was good, this was solid, it was okay, but it didn't blow me away because Solo, uh, self admittedly, I love Solo to death it's not a mind blowing movie, you know, last Jedi has a lot of mind blowing, like special effects and things in your face and whatever. Solo's a lot more tame. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and again, it fits that whole streaming service mentality. So I think that I just think that with Kathleen Kennedy, I think she, what she's going to be doing is the next three years, she's going to help usher in the new TV stuff. And cause think about this, how many movies are, are you going to put into production between now and the next three years? Probably yeah, the double point. D's, the double D's. Yeah. That's going to be the next movie because episode nine, she'll be, they're going to finish episode nine through this year, right? Or to 2019. That's one year. She's got two years left. I mean, you're probably at that point going to release the double D's and maybe they, they extend her contract another three years, but yeah, I was re- going to say, I wouldn't necessarily assume that she'll only be around for another three years, but you but, know, we'll, we'll but, see. We'll have to see how those three years go and what happens at the end of it. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that there's, I think there it's a very wait and see thing. And and I, I, I think if she wanted to be on it long term, she would have been on it longer. And I think she knows I think she's done a good graces. But I, I could say this I, I'm glad she's back. I think it's good. I don't think she's done a bad job. I mean, I love what she's she, the stuff she's put into production, like solo. The only movie I haven't really loved, and again, I still like the last Jedi. I didn't love it, was Last Jedi. I like I loved everything else. Even The Force Awakens, I still love that to an extent. You know, it's so I think there's she, I think she's going to help usher in the next step, and I think then I think she'll be done. I think, and not because I think she needs to be done, and I wouldn't be surprised. 
or shocked that she stayed on longer. I just think that this probably will be it for her. She's been on. I mean, think about this. She is a film producer. That is her job. That is her main. That's her main like, um, you know, title in, in Lucasfilm. That's what she was brought in the first place. And that's what her main job is in Lucasfilm. Now she's CEO and title, but she's producing films and TV productions and whatnot. That live action stuff is her main, her bread and butter. Once she sets that up, you know, and everything, it may, she may be like, you know what? I want to move on and do other things because I've been, I've been running star Wars for at that point, almost 10 years. Yeah. So I was thinking about that too. Yeah. So it's like a good amount of time for someone to kind of reevaluate things and see if you want to do something new. Yeah. And I, I just, and she's been making movies, movies with her husband for a long time. And, and, and she did this as, you know, I'm, I'm sure she's making great money, but at some point she's probably going to say, I can make great money and kind of have my own freedom and not have to have the star Wars, you know, again, I want to say curse, but having that, that the headache, like <laughs> headache, if you will, or if, you know, or, or burden, that's what I'm trying to say. The kind of a star Wars burden to be like, you know, and I don't know. I, I just think that she'll probably say it's done because she's done a great job. I don't want to say, I'll make that very clear. I'm not bashing her at whatsoever. I think she's done a great job. I think she's done some missteps from here and there, but for the most part, she's ma- she's made great decisions. Like she saved Rogue One, Rogue One from what and it sounds Solo, like. yeah, yeah and <laughs> Solo. I mean, they, they, thank you. Yeah, I mean, she saved. Now, what I I'm saying from a financial standpoint, I know Solo has not been has been. Oh, gotcha. Okay, but just from a you know financial standpoint, she saved Rogue One, and it's and it's she made it better. And and you know, I think Ro- Solo, I thought had too much going against it. There's nothing could have saved that movie, but from a financial standpoint, but. You know, from a creative standpoint, she still made, you know, I'd say four, you know, solid to great films and one, of you know, or three out of great films and one solid. So, or four solid, you know, so I think there's, there's reasons for her to stay. I'm glad they have her on because I want her to kind of usher in this new era of Star Wars. But my prediction is Ryan Johnson will never direct another Star Wars movie. I wouldn't be surprised. Would I be shocked if he did? No, I wouldn't be shocked, but I think, I don't think it's going to happen. And I also think she'll be gone in three years. So hmm. that's my prediction. Well, we shall yeah. see. Going to be interesting on the Ryan Johnson front. Cause yeah, I still think he's going to do one. I, I'm not banking on the trilogy though, but I, at the same time too, now that you brought it up, you made some good points as far as saying why maybe he won't do any more Star Wars movies. So <laughs> definitely something to look out for over these next few years as we wait to see what's next after episode nine. Yeah. Well, and remember too, the whole concept with the Ryan Johnson trilogy was that he was going to sort of direct or write and and uh, sort of oversee the entire trilogy and direct at least the first movie. Yeah. Um. So that's still a possibility too that he could just direct one more and then just you know maybe write either write the scripts or write just an outline for the next two and let somebody else kind of um you know pick up the reins and direct it. But um yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it'll be a very interesting three years to say the least and see, you know, kind of where they go from here, especially with, you know, obviously episode nine coming next year and seeing kind of what direction they head in next after the sequel trilogy. Um, but let's move on and talk about the other, uh, or actually, you know, before we get to resistance, um, just real quick, uh, let's just mention a couple of the things that were brought up at, uh, New York comic-con as far as, um, books and comics and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you guys, you know, obviously are kind of more into this than I am, especially with the comics. So, uh, Tim, you want to go ahead and read this off for us? Yeah. So Paul, I think I can speak for both of us that probably the most shocking and disappointing news out of this is that 
the current Darth Vader series by Charles Soule is ending in December with issue 25. <laughs> I mean, what other reaction is there except for Darth Vader's infamous no <laughs> for Revenge of the Sith? I mean, we've said before how much we love this series, and Charles Soule has pretty much killed it on every issue. There hasn't really been a bad one. It's been from, like, great to good. <laughs> That's as bad as it gets. It's good. So at the same time, while it's disappointing, I am glad that it is ending the way he wants to. It's He's going to tell one story from the beginning to end that he wanted to and that I'd rather have that than have it be someone that the series comes on and then someone else comes in and does, the, does their own thing and just is not as good as what Charles Soule did because to be honest, I don't know if anyone really could top what he did on this series. And sure, we'll probably get more great Vader comics and stories down the line, but just for this particular one set in this time period right after revenge of the sith i mean he just did an amazing job so uh kind of sad to see that's going to end but at the same time too glad it's going to ending it will be ending the way he wanted to but to come out of that is we're going to be getting another limited edition vader series called shadows of vader and this one is kind of going to be about not necessarily vader himself but it's going to be a five issue limited series that's going to be about different characters who's, you know, Vader's affected their lives in some way. And I think one of the ones they mentioned was the guy in the Empire Strikes Back who's running out of Cloud City with the ice cream maker. So <laughs> apparently Darth Vader affected his life <laughs> in some big way. But um, this limited series is going to be written by Chuck Wendig, who did the Star Wars Aftermath novels, which I said before I'm not the biggest fan of. So... Um, but one of the things that I found pretty interesting is that one of these issues is going to deal with probably one of the better aspects of the Aftermath books, where it had those interludes that took you to different corners of the galaxy and showed you what life is like on a certain planet or for certain people once the Empire fell. And one of them was deal with this group called uh, the Alkalites of the Beyond, who are kind of like this cult that worshipped Vader. There was a portion of the story where they're trying to get his lightsaber. And one of those issues is going to deal with that group. So I think that one could be pretty interesting. Uh, but other than that, not too excited for it. Again, not the biggest fan of Chuck Wendig's writing in Aftermath, but I'll definitely probably still check it out, at least that one issue with uh, the Alkalites. But then also, too, on the novel front, um, they announced a new novel called uh, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. And right off the bat, not the greatest title in my opinion horrible <laughs> title yeah i was yeah. like wait horrible like title. this sounds like a young reader book for like like a, a book to like help kids learn to read through yeah. <laughs> you know the adventures of some x-wing pilots or something but like that this is a serious sense. novel i was like wait what yeah because it's gonna be about a group of rebel pilots after the battle of endor kind of hunting down like remaining factions of the empire but they're all gonna be fine yeah. I mean, they're all going to be flying the different classic rebel ships that we know. The X-Wings, the Y-Wings, the A-Wings, the B-Wings. The U-Wing. The U-Wing, yeah. <laughs> so there's Alphabet Squadron. That classic, <laughs> that classic old uh, original trilogy ship. Oh, wait. <laughs> wing for the record. I like the U-Wing. I, I, I have to say the premise is cool. Why? are Why? How did that name get pushed through? It is horrible. Yeah. I mean, is it even called the alphabet in the Star Wars universe? No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I really hope that this is like, like even though it's the title of the book, like in the book, that should just be, like they should have like an official name, like, you know, I don't know, 
Delta Squadron or whatever, and just one pilot makes an offhand joke like, hey, we've all got the different lettered starfighters, we should call ourselves Alphabet Squadron, and it's like, haha, no, and like they never mention it again. Yeah, <laughs> that probably would be better, but yeah, so I think out of anything, this, that's what stood out the most about this book for a lot of people. I know it's just the name of it, Alphabet Squadron, <laughs> but um, it is being written by uh, uh, Alexander Freed, who did uh, Battlefront Twilight Company, which is one of the few novels I haven't actually read, but I've heard good things about it. So um, this one comes out um, in June 2019. And then the only other thing that's not a new announcement, but we got the cover for a book I cannot wait for, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. It's going to deal with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I love the cover for this one. It's just a really cool artwork. This, you know, seeing artwork and characters from The Phantom Menace with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, just cool that we're going to get that again in a new novel. So I really can't wait for this one, and I just love the cover for it. So, Yeah, that looks that, really good. That was just a little bit of news that came out of New York Comic Con. Not too, they had a whole panel on uh, Lucasfilm Publishing, but the, as far as new announcements go, as far as novels and comics, this was at the limited Darth Vader series and Alphabet Squadron. Um, have they said anything about like a synopsis for uh, the Master and Apprentice novel? Um, did they? Because what definitely wasn't in this. A panel at New York Comic Con. Now I'm trying to think at San Diego Comic Con, did they have a description for it? Because I don't, I don't think so. If anything, it was very vague. <laughs> just that it's going to be about Qui Gon and Obi Wan, obviously. Yes. So I, I remember we talked about this when it was announced too. Just talked about the novel. I don't know if we speculated on the story at all, but it would be really cool if it told the story of the time that they were on Mandalore and Obi Wan met Satine for the first time and had to protect her against yeah you know, insurgents or whatever was going on at the time. Um. But regardless, that is, you know, the, I think I'm adding that to my list of ones that I'll potentially read because you guys know how slow I am with getting my books. <laughs> but it's a really cool hey. cover. And, uh, you know, I love any kind of prequel era stuff that they want to, um, you know, give us here in the new canon. So I'll probably check that one out. Hey, if it makes your list even, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It's like the first book he's going to read in like 10 years. <laughs> I know, I know. I just gotta say, for the record, Chuck Wendig doing a Star Wars comic is a super bummer for me, and I am not excited about Darth Vader. I don't care. I mean, the Acolyte thing is kind of cool. I'm gonna read it, but and people are if they want to say I'm I'm hating on them, before you freak out, I've read all the Aftermath books, and but and those are okay. They're very hit and miss. I liked Empire's End more than I liked the other two. Yeah, I agree. Um, but the interludes are all good, but I think that they, that's what it should have been. I didn't like his main story. But what really bums me out is I've read uh, his his annual Darth Vader annual, and it just was not very good. And, and I'm a comic book guy, and I'm not a comic book – like I've never written a comic book you know, yet. But at the same time, I know comics. And I'm going to use my critiquing in, in a way that I think his stuff works better for novels and not for comics. Some people have, you know, I can never, I think like, like some people, it just works better for another. Some people can do both. Some people can do one or the other. I feel like he, he's a better novelist than he is pro. He's better prose than he has script writing for a comic book or, or directing a comic book. I just, I thought his Vader comic was very, just kind of just pacing was all over the place. And he just did not, have a distinct like feel for like 
the you know what he was doing and i felt like he tried to he tried to force things into it that just would not just did not work and i'm just like we're gonna get that for like a mini series Ugh. i'm gonna give it a shot and if it's good i'll i'll praise it no problem but my uh my expectations are very low yeah i think i didn't read that annual because you told me how bad it was <laughs> i was like you read it like it i think i was going i'll just wait for to go on Marvel Unlimited, then so maybe it's on there now. <laughs> I don't know if it's been it's a few not. months, but it's, okay, it's, only, yeah, it's been a few, it's only been a few months. But I definitely so. will once it goes on there. I'm curious, watch you'll end up loving it and be like, Oh, I can't believe I love this and you didn't like it. I'm like, God damn, <laughs> that has happened before, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, it's true, that's true. Yeah, well, anyway, let's get to talking about the other big item for this episode, and that is the premiere of Star Wars Resistance. Um, you know, obviously the new animated series that is now airing on... Uh, well, I know the premiere was on Disney Channel, and I'm still not sure. Is the regular sh- premiere, is it airing on Disney Channel or uh, Disney XD? No, it is Disney Channel. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is... Every, yeah, so everything's oh. on Disney Channel. So um, it is, it's not, not on XD. I thought oh. it was on XD. No, yeah, it's going to be on Disney Channel pretty much all the time now. <laughs> so yeah. It changes, but... Well, yeah, I've, I've got the Disney Now app, which... Um, has shows from like Disney Channel and Disney XD on there, and I just watched it on there, so I didn't have to uh, find it on the channel. But what is that? A was that a change though, randomly? Because I thought it was supposed to be on XD. No, from the get go, I mean, at least from like the first teaser or whatever, like they at least said the premiere was going to be on Disney Channel. But I got the impression okay. from that that um, you know the Disney Channel was just going to be where it was airing. So yeah, they're doing that. For most of their animated shows now, because I don't know what Disney XD has, because even the new DuckTales series is exclusively on Disney Channel, not and it premiered, I believe, on Disney XD. So interesting. I think every, everything's going to Disney Channel. Maybe maybe because of the streaming service are getting away from XD and having like two different brands. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, maybe. Um, that works for me. Yeah, it's fine with me. I mean, again, as long as everything's on that app, I can just watch it on there anyway. So, which is yeah, weird exactly. because they have the. I mean, for anybody that's got that Disney Now app, um, or if you don't have it yet but you're anxious to jump ahead, they've got the first three episodes of Star Wars Resistance on there. Um, so we can kind of briefly talk about the next two episodes as well. But obviously, you know, don't want to spoil it yet for uh, people who haven't talked about it or who haven't seen it yet. I haven't um, seen the fourth episode or whatever because the the. Because the first one's an hour long, right? Right. Yeah. And then there's, I watched, I think, one after that. Yeah, I've watched one after that. And then, um, uh, which, without spoilers, was it the one where they he finds a spy? It was the one with the pirates. Yeah. Right, right. But he finds he finds the pirate spy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So there so on XD or on um on Comcast, they have the next episode after that available as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. On the Disney app too, they have one more episode after that one. Okay, cuz I haven't I I, I didn't want to just burn through them cuz they're pretty well, we're getting into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but let's. I and again, we can we can talk about those a little bit afterwards. But let's, I mean, we should probably right, just mainly yeah, focus yeah. on the premiere for this one. But, agreed. Agreed. Um, no, let's focus on the, the, premiere, the premiere. Yeah, yeah. So the recruit. It's called is the uh, the first episode of Star Wars Resistance. Um, you know, hour long special focusing on. Uh, you know, introducing us to this new character of uh, Kazuda Ziono, who's a New Republic pilot. 
Um, and I like the way the series started out with, um, I mean, I didn't even really recognize him at first because I thought he was just going to be, you know, like some bumbling kid that was like trying to join the resistance or whatever. But the fact that he's actually like a new Republic pilot, um, and the first scene of the episode is, uh, him and his squadron of, um, new Republic pilots, you know, that are getting chased by this, uh, you know, crimson sort of special forces, um, first order TIE fighter. Um, it was a pretty cool way to kick things off. And I like that. I mean, I like that we started with this because even though they've said, you know, sort of the premise of the show is going to be, you know, it's all going to be set on this station called the Colossus and, you know, focus on these races and stuff. You also have sort of the bigger overarching story of the resistance in the first order and trying to find out what's going on there. Um, and so I like the way that it kind of established things. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, that for me was obviously like the most intriguing um, part mm-hmm. of the episodes, at least, you know, story wise, was wanting to find out more about the New Republic and the Resistance and the First Order. And I mean, that was, you know, that's kind of what's really drawing me into the story story to the show story wise at this point. No, yeah, I thought that was a great way to kick it off, too. And I wasn't expecting it <laughs> kind of like you said, but it was great just getting that exposure to new republic pilots and not resistance pilots because we've only read a little bit about them and the only the big one that comes to mind was their story is uh from before the awakening poe dameron story where he was a new republic uh pilot so the fact that they're drawing in more of that was cool too and just right off the bat i've said it before when we we got our first look at the trailer i love the animation style for this Mm -hmm. i mean to seeing it for a full episode now was just great I thought it held up and looked really great. The only thing, some of the character models, maybe just Poe, um, not necessarily his face, but I felt like his arms and legs were a little lanky <laughs> as he was walking around the ship. Just something like that felt a little off. But other than that, everything else was great. And just what I'm really excited for in the series is seeing these cool space battles or just flight combat and flight races in this animation style. It came out great. I loved how it looked. And the small little skirmish that we got in the beginning here. And I know in the trailers, they've shown some other footage that we are going to get more X-Wing combat against First Order TIE Fighters in space later on. So I can't wait for those. And it definitely got me excited for that in just that intro here. So, yeah, definitely got a, got off to a great start. And just seeing uh, once Poe came in and then seeing him interact with Kaz on the, the Resistance ship was cool. And just, uh, I don't know, there's something about this new Star Wars animated series, which I thought was cool, just getting something new in the sequel trilogy era now. I mean, we've gotten Clone Wars, of course, set in the prequel trilogy, Rebels close to the original trilogy, and now Resistance set in the sequel trilogy. So it just felt good getting the new Star Wars animated show be in this new time period that we haven't been too much uh, associated with. Of course, it's only been about three years now since The Force Awakens. So I just love that aspect as well. And hopefully looking forward to seeing more of that Resistance First Order conflict that we know is going to be coming, but... I guess we'll get into it as more as we talk about the episode as a whole. That might be cause a cause for concern for me, but uh, just with this intro, I thought I got off to a nice start. Mm-hmm. I thought the intro it was cool, but it also it just seemed. And I don't want to be a stick in the mud, okay? I want to make this very clear, but I felt that there was no stakes. And yeah, well, yeah, to quote you, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank, thank you, Tim. No, but, but in all seriousness, I, I, I'm really trying hard not to be hard on the series. I'm really not. And because, again, I know it's not aimed at my demographic. Yeah. OK, it's not aimed at a 
crusty old uh, bitter man, you know, who is, you know, jaded and all that stuff. Like, I want to make that very clear. It's not aimed at me. I get it. And I, I'm trying to go in it. And I, I want to say also for the record, I think the animation looks great. I, I actually really dig this. And, you know, I, I would have, I would have been totally fine if they would have done rebels in this kind of style. I, I think rebels looks great as it is as well, but I think this looks great too. I think this is a good compromise between 3d and 2d. So, but with the, the opening, it looks cool, but I just, I felt no danger. And I, I had a, a similar problem with Rebels, but Rebels had some stakes in it, you know? Whereas this just felt like nothing. It just felt like, okay, Kaz is in this. And because I know it's a kid's show, none of these people's lives are in danger. So I don't know. I just I just could not, I just wasn't like feeling it. It, it looked it looked fine it, or it looked good, but it just the, the story-wise, I was just was not engaged with it. And you'll probably hear a lot of that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can kind of understand that, like, you know, the not really having any stakes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wasn't really expecting that because, like, I mean, first of all, they're getting chased by one TIE fighter. Um, it's not like there was a whole, you know, squadron after him and, you know, with multiple X-Wings and, you know, you see a couple get picked off here. They're like, it's one TIE fighter against three X-Wings. Um, and the opening scene of the show... Like, yeah, probably nobody's going down right off the bat. Like, even if, like, even if they managed to make it feel more tense and dramatic and stuff, just like in the back of my head, I would have known, like, he's the main character. Like, he's not getting killed off yet. Um, or at all, probably, but definitely yeah. not in the first five minutes of the episode. So, I mean, I didn't mind that so much here. I thought it was just kind of a cool way to open it. Um, I think in general, this show is going to be probably a little bit lighter on the action and the intensity and stuff than, you know, Rebels and certainly than Clone Wars. Um, like, you know, again, we we see at the end of that scene, um, you know, Kaz's X-Wing kind of gets disabled when he gets shot, but then he manages to, to uh, spin it around and fire back at the other guy and he just kind of not even disables his ship. He just kind of hit nicks him on the bottom and the guy goes spiraling out of control and then he regains control and takes off into hyperspace. Um, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of like killing and shooting and stuff. It seems like, um, and we'll see, yeah. you know, how it goes when we, you know, kind of as it progresses and we get more space battles and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, again, right off the bat, I just thought it was like, Oh, cool. You know, we're starting with a space battle in this show. That's going to be about, you know, kind of very heavily focused on aerial combat and, you know, racing and ships and all that kind of stuff. So I thought it was a fun way to start it off and, you know, just sort of a, a perfectly fine opening for it. And I was actually kind of glad that he did get nicked and disabled because I was kind of expecting that he wasn't going to get hit at all, that Poe would come in and rescue him and just chase a TIE fighter away. It was like, come on, this is a, it looks like a pretty elite first order TIE fighter pilot in that, you know, uh, crimson red armor. And he, better get a shot in there and kind of hit him. So at least he did that. If he was just kind of missing the whole time, then that probably would have taken me out a little bit, kind of how you were feeling, Paul, because I was going in expecting that type of combat where, you know, no one's really going to get shot down or killed, at least in the first scene of the first episode. But so uh, as long as he kind of got a hit in there to make it some like, okay, the pilot is competent at least <laughs> to shooting his target. And he was able to do that before Poe came in, save the day and got Kaz out of there. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, then going from there, like you were talking about Tim, you know, just seeing, um, you know, him and Poe back on the, uh, the blockade runner that they had there. I mean, that was cool to see just seeing that location again, but then also, you know, uh, you know, Poe mentioned like, oh, this baby's, you know, seeing combat yeah. from the Battle of Scarif all the way up to the Battle of Jakku. Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah. And it's funny because those are two, like, there was something cool about the fact that, like, those are two major battles from the original trilogy time period, neither of which were in the original movies. Mm. You know, it's like, it's almost become so synonymous with, like, you know, you would have expected him to say, like, oh, the Battle of Hoth or the Battle of Endor or something like that. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, he said from the Battle of Scarif to the Battle of Jakku. And it's like those were kind of like the first and last major yep. battles of the Rebellion mm -hmm. versus the Empire. And I mean, at least for us diehard fans, it's like those are kind of iconic conflicts that we know now as part of the timeline. And like those weren't even in the original trilogy. So that was kind of cool. Um but, you know, Kaz wants to enlist in the resistance and Poe kind of tells him like, hey, I think, you know, yeah, you're good with the New Republic, but like we could use a guy like you and, you know, use your skills and whatever. And so he enlists him in this mission to go um, basically spy on the First Order um, and he wants him to, you know, go live on the space or not space station, but this, you know, platform essentially um, called, you know, the Colossus where it's like uh I guess it's like a shipping refueling platform or something like that. And then they also have all these big races going on. Um, but he says, you know, they get this intel. And that was kind of what the whole setup of the first scene was, is that these New Republic pilots had some intel that they were trying to get to the Resistance. Um, and that intel ended up being that the First Order is planning a major attack, but they don't know how or when or where. And so um, I guess Poe has further intel that there's somebody on this station that is working for the First Order, and so he wants Kaz to find out who that is and get more information from them. So that's kind of the whole premise of why he goes there, and, you know, we go and meet, um, you know, Niku, and who's a mechanic who works for uh, Jarek Yeager, who's like an old friend of Poe, and he's trying to get uh, Kaz, you know, in on Yeager's team and get Yeager to kind of take him in and let him do his spying mission for him and all that kind of stuff. So, um you know, kind of interesting setup there. I like, I really like the, you know, just right off the bat, the design of the Colossus and like the wide array of just sort of weird, colorful alien characters that mm -hmm. we've got there. Um, and like you said, Tim, I mean, I love the look of the show, just the animation style and the artwork and everything. But I think this is where it really kind of got a chance to shine for the first time. Um, and I really like the way that this was lit, too. Um, I mean, I f it felt like there were so many scenes where like they intentionally had um, it's sort of dynamic lighting where characters were either lit from behind or they're like half in lighting and half in shadow. And, um, you know, I just thought the, the whole visual look of it was really good, but also just, you know, getting to see um, a lot of like classic Star Wars aliens again that we've kind of been missing from the sequel trilogy. Um, and, uh, you know, just it, but it was a really cool blend of like, old ones and new ones and ones that we've seen in clone wars and it was just like every alien from star wars like thrown into this melting pot um and uh yeah i don't know it was just really cool to see the you know sort of this new environment of the colossus being this you know sort of big busy bustling station with all these sort of you get the feeling that there's a lot of background characters here that are going to be sort of recurring characters throughout the show um and so I thought it was cool to, you know, just kind of establish this new um, environment that we're going to be in. What would you guys think of that? 
Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it definitely had a cool feel to it, especially when you got into uh, the tavern, which um, I'm at the Star Wars databank now with a list of all the characters because I haven't gotten familiar with all their names yet, but uh, the one run by Aunt Z. And I don't know, of course, they're trying to go for that Moss Eisley Cantina feel for it, but I thought they achieved that without actually copying it. They kind of made mm-hmm. it their own, too. Like you said, with the different alien species mixed in with some of the new ones and just even some of the, you know, incorporating real world games into the Star Wars universe, like with the dark game. And you didn't see what it was, but then you saw like they're like an arcade cabinet in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I would love to see what that actually is. So, yeah, I definitely agree where that was kind of a highlight as far as showing the animation style to it and what the kind of character designs we're going to get. And I think we're already seeing, like you were mentioning, about some background characters who will play a part later on in future episodes i think we kind of saw that already with um some of the characters in this episode and the next one who are kind of going after cause and all that stuff so um yeah i thought uh, i'll say right off the bat this first half of resistance was probably my favorite part of it i thought it got off to a great start with that intro and then once we're really going to get into the world of what resistance or resistance is going to be about and the environment we're going to be in and the characters we're going to meet I was pretty much all on board. I was all I was good with it. I mean, I'm liking the look of it so far. The characters he's interacting with are good. So yeah, this is the stuff that I was really into when I was watching it for the first time, and just uh, probably the highlight for me. I'll say that right now, and this, I'll say for my criticism probably after this. But <laughs> I agree with everything you were saying about how this world looks and how the characters and he's how Kaz, the main character, is interacting with them. Yeah, this. The Colossus is cool. Again, I'm going to be a broken record a lot of this, and I like the designs of everything. Everything looks good. I just don't know if it just if I can just get behind the just this the, the tone of the series. And again, it's because it's not aimed at me, and I just don't want to be a broken record on saying this all the time because I do think there's really cool stuff in this cartoon that even as an, an adult without any kids, I could still enjoy it on a certain level, but it's just, it is so dense. It's just not, Yeah. it's, it's, you know what it's like? It's like you're having, okay. The movies are like a, 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 a full course meal, right? A four course meal or, or whatever it is. Full course. Full, I, well, I can't talk, you know, <laughs> what about this? Let's think about this. It's like eating a big juicy cheeseburger. How about that? That's what the movies are with, with some fries and a milkshake. And it's glorious. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. I think of like Clone Wars as like in, in Rebels as like a good solid like, you know, appetizer, if you will. You know, and so which appetizers in some ways could also be served as a meal, if you will, or depending on, you know, what you want to do with it. It's all dependent on what you want to do with an appetizer. And sometimes you enjoy the appetizer more than the meal. Exactly. <laughs> right. Or you go out just to have drinks and appetizers. Yeah, exactly. So that's a, that's exactly what it is. Now, what resistance is, is it's mostly like a snack. And meaning is, and I've been trying to eat healthier and eating and watching what I eat a lot lately. And what I've noticed is, and this is obviously Captain Obvious here, but just bear with me. When you, when I, I love gummy bears, right? They're my favorite thing in the world. Like candy, every, I'll, eat, I'll eat gummy bears over everything. And uh, I count my calories. That's what I do, right? I have, a, I, have a, I have an app, but I count my calories. I don't go over a certain amount. I try to go under a certain amount and all that jazz. I can tell you right now, when I eat gummy bears, it does nothing for my appetite. It does <laughs> nothing. 
They taste great, but it does nothing. And that's the same with resistance. It, they, it tastes great. It looks great, but it just doesn't whet the appetite. And again, that's not the gummy bears rule, right? You don't eat gummy bears to get like to get full. You you sit back and enjoy it. Like it's it's a sweet little candy. And that's what I see resistance resi- uh, excuse me, resistance as. A sweet little candy as a Star Wars fan that I can kind of just watch and chew on and say, "Yeah, that's Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I love Star Wars." And this is why I like Star Wars. But it doesn't satisfy me in any way whatsoever. And again, I'm not the audience. But at the same time, the reason Disney is putting this out is not just for kids, but for Star Wars fans in general, too. Let's be real. And though the kids are the main audience, and that should always be the focus on you know the younger generation, you know, I think that there's there's, there's a give there's a give and a take. And so far, after especially with, I think the third ep- I, I like the third episode more. We'll get into that in a different show. But with this episode. It just introducing all the characters. It just didn't. It just seems like it just seems so formulaic to me. It just I don't know. It's just so dense and it just has no weight to it and it doesn't satisfy me. And again, and I just don't really feel like taking it seriously when I watch it. You know, and I don't. Th- but I don't think it's, it's a bad thing either. I don't think it's meant to be taken super seriously. So when I go to the things like the Colossus and I see Kaz and all that jazz, it's it's fine. It's cute, but. It's just something that I just don't really, I just can't really like get excited about. It's like, oh yeah, Star Wars. It's cool. Um, I have a quick question for you guys. Were you guys, are you guys kind of weirded out by the fact that Poe Dameron let Kaz have BB-8? It was a little strange, I'll say that. Yeah, because he didn't, he said like it was, the, I don't know, like he was supposed to leave BB-8. Like it was like almost a given thing because we've seen him in promos in different parts of the trailers. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Poe knew that. Like, oh yeah, you got to stay here. But he didn't say that, but that's how it felt to me. Yeah. And I've seen people online saying it too, where it's kind of like post thing where like he just doesn't care where BB-8 goes. <laughs> like he just leaves it with whoever. Yeah. So, the circumstances, of course, is different from the movies, but it's, it's, BB-8 always ends up with someone else more than he is with Poe, even mm-hmm. though he's Poe's droid. <laughs> Right. And that's the kind of thing with me. It, it just feels, it feels like it's, it's okay. How about this? Rebels felt more like uh, less formulaic in a sense to where it had a specific story to tell and they try to introduce new characters and everything and, and, and give a different perspective. And they definitely added Darth Vader and other characters into it to add more intrigue to the series and everything. But I feel like with putting BB-8 in the series right off the bat, it's really trying to tell the audience, well, we got BB-8. Yeah. Hey, guys, don't get – don't worry. You're still going to like this show because even though you don't know these characters in this timeline, you know we had to put BB-8 in it to make sure you understand that this is BB-8. You'll like it. And it's like, uh, I understand it. It just doesn't, it feels weird to me because again, Poe just gives his droid out to everybody. It's like, mm-hmm. you love this droid so much, but you don't really want to hang out with them. You just don't want to be around. Well, it's, it's weird, weird because I feel like that's more of like almost a storytelling necessity because yeah. you've created this little droid that's like fun and adorable and everybody loves him. And so you want to give him as much screen time and as much to do as possible but then you have Poe who like, I mean, and I love Poe as a character too, and he gets to do some really cool stuff, but he's either like in an X-Wing 
or, you know, in The Last Jedi, just, like, on a ship most of the time. And, you know, if BB-8 just stayed with him the whole time, there wouldn't be a whole lot for him to do. And, like, it's cool when BB-8 is, you know, in the the X-Wing with him during the space battles and stuff and helping him, like, fix the X-Wing at the beginning of The Last Jedi and all that kind of stuff. But, um... I mean, you think of, like, Luke in the original trilogy having R2 with him all the time, like, but Luke was a pilot, but also a Jedi, and, like, he went on a lot of adventures and stuff that didn't necessarily just involve being in a ship the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even you think of, like, The Empire Strikes Back, Yoda, or, uh, R2 didn't get a whole lot to do while Luke was on Dagobah with Yoda. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's kind of the thing with BB-8, it's like, even though they've written it so that he's Poe's droid, they also just want to give him as much fun stuff to do as possible. And if you leave him with Poe the whole time, I mean, even though Poe gets interesting stuff to do, like, I just feel like it doesn't, he's not in situations that lend themselves to a lot of like BB eight's humor or cuteness or whatever. Um, where you can send him off on adventures with other characters and kind of let him be more free to do his own thing. Um, so, yeah, it didn't really strike me as weird because, again, like you said, I mean, he already has done that in the movies and we're used to seeing BB-8 with other people. Um, it more made me wonder, like, where exactly is this set before The Force Awakens? Because obviously he's got to get BB-8 back by a certain point. Um, yeah, it just, that was weird, too. Like, he didn't even say, like, oh, I'll be back in a few days. He just leaves BB-8 there and doesn't really say anything about when he'll return or when he'll see yeah. him again. So it, just, it did felt a little off. But I do think, I mean, the other thing that makes it make sense is the fact that obviously for Poe, this is an important mission. Um, even yeah. though there's not a whole lot of buildup to it and they don't go into a whole lot of details. But I mean, obviously we know presumably what this, I mean, if it's the same one we're thinking of from the movies, like we know what the First Order's big attack ends up being. Um so this is something that is really crucial, even though they don't know exactly what it is right now. Um, and who knows if, you know, along the course of the series, if we're going to see them eventually maybe get some clues about Starkiller Base and stuff like that. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah so, I mean, I'll... I think just the fact that he, you know, left BB-8 there was like, hey, keep an eye on this kid, because, like, even though he's new and I barely know him, like, we need this. This is important. Yeah, I don't know if I'll just jump ahead a little bit here, but you maybe think about what you're talking about, potential stuff down the line with the resistance and the first order, what they might discover. But it's like this is my biggest kind of complaint about the series right now in these first few episodes is that for being a show called Star Wars Resistance and being about space or not space comet, but, you know, uh, flying and racing and ship racing and all that stuff, we didn't really get a whole lot of that in this premiere and in the next episodes after that i mean especially when we're talking about being for a younger audience i was expecting it to have more like multiple uh, flying sequences whether it was combat or racing but it was just at the very end of this uh one hour premiere and i just kept thinking to myself man this is actually pretty slow pace for a star wars premiere for a new series and just for being more towards a younger audience because i think they would have more of that because their attention spans probably wouldn't have be as engaged as the, you know, potential just character moments and dialogue that this episode had, and for most episodes, the two episodes that followed, either it just, I don't know, it felt a little weird to me that way, and that's kind of what held it back for me as far as uh, not really delivering on its title and premise, because I was all set for even the resistance aspect of it to not 
be full blown getting into right away. I mean, I'm sure they're saving that for later on in the episodes, but even with the racing and the flying, there was hardly any of that. It was less than I expected. There was the one moment where he uh, races a Torah at the end and that's it. And it was, wasn't even that long either. <laughs> I thought there'd be multiple ones and we'd get the ace pilots involved, but they didn't show mm-hmm. up until the next episode. And even their appearance there was very minimal. So I don't know, that's what kind of, I don't know if you want to say disappointed, but some didn't make me get into the series as much as I was hoping for as having that flying combat and that flying racing sequences and stuff. And um, I think what I said afterwards, this wasn't the most exciting premiere for Star Wars, for a new Star Wars TV series, but I did like what they set up because the stuff, the intrigue they fit with the resistance and the first order finding out, you know, if there's a spy amongst the Colossus, which I'm sure there is, and it's probably going to be someone who's amongst this main group of characters, whether it's the ace pilots or just even with uh, team fireball. Um, the, that will probably be the big surprise of the season, I would think, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Here's... I just felt, I'm sorry. Good. No, I was just going to say real quick. Another thing that I felt was a little, you know, negative for the series. It kind of felt a little too formula formulaic in what I didn't want it to be. Cause I would be fine with the formula of getting some cool, you know, races and ship uh, moments and action sequences like that. But it, Sent like the main thrust of the series so far. And again, it's just these three episodes is that what bad situation is Kaz going to get himself into next? And how is he going to get out of that? Yeah. And it's seen, and again, go back what you said, Paul, we know it's for a younger audience and I'm sure it's, you know, trying to tell them how a character kind of give a little teaching lesson here and how you should handle certain things and how a character grows and learns from his mistakes. And that's all fine and good, but I just felt that be a little too, it felt the same over the course of these th- first three episodes here and just not being as far as, you know, living up to its premise in the title, I felt. And, and again, that's is only judging on the first three episodes, I think. And I hope so. <laughs> or hope so anyway, that uh, the next few episodes over the course of the seasons will really dive into the racing and flying of it. And especially with the resistance and uh, the first order stuff, because right now the first order is just regulated to, you know, the intro that we got and the ending of the first two episodes is so far their appearance. And we know they're coming. We've seen in the trailers, they're going to be some combats. We're going to see that gold stormtrooper. We're going to see captain phasma uh, in action. Well, I don't know about phasma in action, but that gold stormtrooper, we definitely saw clips of um, him firing his blasters. So that stuff's coming. Uh, just felt, uh, for these first three episodes, it all kind of felt the same, actually. So we'll see where it goes from here. But that's kind of what held it back for me as far as really getting into it, like I did with the first few episodes of you know, Clone Wars and Rebels. I here's the problem with this series. <laughs> I keep as we keep talking about it, I just keep like going, oh, man, this series is just uh. here's the problem. Yes. Someone that we all know or we don't want to expect to be the the bad the bad guy giving the information out to the first order it's gonna be fine they're gonna find out and kaz is gonna go what i can't believe it you're the you're the spy he's like yes kaz i've always been the spy oh my god we gotta stop him and then that guy's gonna like step backwards fall off the colossus and then we stopped him and that's gonna be the end of the series and it's you know and it just and i just you know or then we're probably gonna like you know that little or he's gonna trip over that little alien guy that like kaz owes money to and then he'll be like wow and then you know, and then the the first order will show up and go. We better call Poe, BB-8, and BB-8 will go. Boo, 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 boo. 
And then and all of a sudden, like, the Resistance will show up. You go, wow, the Resistance! Let's get in our ships and fight with them! And then that'll be the end of the series. Like, I think it's literally well, Thanks feels... a lot for spoiling it for us, Paul, because that's how <laughs> it <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it feels like. And I, I'm, I'm really... I don't hate this show. I want to make that very clear. As we talk about it, I'm just like, this show is so predictable. You know, and it, I'm just... Ugh. And, and you know what? Yeah. As we know, giving knowing that it's for a younger younger audience, I'm okay with that. But I'm just kind of have me accepting that as an older fan. I'm still wanting to see you know some cool action that we're gonna get with the yeah. ships, and you know, I, I think there's gonna be some great character moments in here too. Because like I said, some of the writing talent they got on here really delivers on that front. Brandon Allman, who I loved his work on the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, is working on this show. I think is one of the main writers, so I know he has it in him to do some great character stuff and I'm sure it's going to come. But like I said, just these first three episodes didn't really deliver on that front just yet. But again, got to give it more time. It's only the first three episodes. And, yeah. and like I said, I, I like the third episode a lot more. Um, I like you said, Tim, I think this, this episode was weirdly paced and you know, that's kind of my, it, it, it as all this build up for a, race that was this kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I will say the one thing, my biggest problem with the race, because I actually, I thought it was pretty cool as far as like the action and the visuals and stuff, but the fact that it ended up just being a one-on-one race, I think it would have just been a lot more more exciting and looked cooler visually if he got thrown in with all the aces or even, I mean, I assume there are, it sounds like there's some other racers too that come there that, you know, aren't this elite group. I mean, it seems like the aces are going to be kind of like the main racer characters that we're introduced to. Um, but it also sounds like there are other people that come there and, you know, that challenge them. And so, in fact, even in the third episode, we're introduced to another guy that wants to be a racer. And so I think to have Kaz either race against, you know, start off at the bottom of the totem pole and just race against a bunch of other random people or, you know, race with or maybe even with like one of the aces in the race or something like that, just instead of going in a one on one head to head. Um, because the other thing, I mean, I think the concept of all these races and stuff is cool, but the fact that it's an ocean planet and they're just flying above the surface of the water and just flying through these rings and stuff. I mean, it's a lot less sort of dynamic than like a pod race or something where you're flying through canyons and tunnels and there's all these twists and turns and stuff. It's like, you're just flying through the open air trying to fly through these rings faster than the guy next to you. Um, and so when it's just two ships, like there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, a lot of like a dynamic element to it there. It's like, you know, I, I think the more ships and the more characters or the more obstacles or whatever that you can throw in there, the, the more exciting it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really talk about it on our last episode. We were kind of save it from the show actually premiered. But that second uh, character video we got that introduced to the ace pilots, that got me real excited about the characters we're going to see in the show. And maybe that's why I'm not so, you know, totally impressed with the first three, because those characters were hardly in it. We didn't mm-hmm. get proper introductions to them, really. We just once the on the second episode, when the platform was getting attacked by the pirates, they just kind of got summon and we see him uh, running towards the ship and they go out to take down the pirates without kind of really being introduced to the characters first except hype phase on he was kind of teased in the first episode as being one of the best pilots out there so um because i'm really looking forward to see more of uh, the character griff the old tie fighter pilot who has that awesome helmet of a type tie fighter helmet with uh, like a skull painting on there <laughs> which looks really mm-hmm. cool so i think maybe once those characters get more involved in it maybe that'll get some more of the 
stuff I was looking forward to after seeing that video and some of those character moments I was talking about that might have been missing in here. So, and because it is there, we've gotten some stuff with uh, Yeager in the third episode about there was that cool moment where he was looking, where Kaz is trying to sneak into his his room and he sees that hollow image of him at the Battle of Jakku, and we know about his history with working with the Rebellion. So that stuff is there, and I again, I think it is coming, but I'm really excited to see more with these characters that are part of the ace pilots once we get involved with them and once Kaz probably, because you know eventually he's going to join their group and they'll probably become a team together. And like you said, Paul, the resistance will come and then they'll probably join up with them. And that just makes me think too, how much can they really sustain a series on just this platform and just with this premise of the races? Because I think you can only go so far with that. And I would think maybe just a season, maybe like half a season or two at most. So it'll be interesting to see like how much life this series has maybe they don't have it planned to be as long running as well, definitely not as long as clone wars but maybe not even as rebels the fourth season maybe it is only be like a two or three season series because mm-hmm. i kind of thinking i don't know how much more they can kind of pull from just this setting if they're really going to go into the resistance first order conflict they're probably gonna have to get off the colossus and have them go to other planets and investigate more with the first order and that conflict that the resistance is trying to you know expose to the greater galaxy so It'll be interesting to see how you know much life they'll pull out of just staying here on the Colossus and the racing premise. Yeah, well, and we know there'll be some, you know, sort of branching out there, I guess, because, I mean, in the extended trailer that we got, I mean, like you said, you see some space combat um, that seems to be, you know, potentially in, like, other parts of the galaxy or something. Um, also, we had a brief cameo from Leia in this episode, but she didn't say anything, and I think also, it was also in that trailer... Um, that we actually heard a clip of uh, Leia talking to Poe, and it seemed like they were back on their command ship. And so um, I think we could maybe just have different scenes or whatever that cut to other stuff happening in the galaxy that maybe is influenced by the stuff going on on the Colossus. You know, maybe once Kaz finds out who that spy is or something. Um, Or, you know, yeah, maybe that's going to be the storyline just for season one, and then maybe the show is going to kind of grow from there, and, you know, he's going to follow the resistance to other places or something like that. Um, I will say one thing that I think both you guys have kind of mentioned, and especially what you were just talking about, Tim, that is maybe a little bit of a detriment to the show, but also something that's slightly intriguing to me is the fact that, I mean, this is definitely a slow burn. And I think part Mm -hmm. of the reason that the season or that the series premiere wasn't as exciting is, you know, they definitely took their time setting up. Um, you know, the new environment of the uh, the Colossus and, you know, obviously Kaz's mission and his introduction to the Resistance and all that, but then also just the introduction of all these different characters. I mean, you got so many different side characters in this show. It's definitely different from, uh, you know, I mean, Clone Wars, you had a lot of different side characters coming out in and out, you know, in and out every week. You know, you'd have Ala Sakura one week and Kiati Mundi the next week and whatever. But I mean, at least you kind of had that core group of like, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan and Rex and, you know, Yoda and, you know, kind of your main characters that you would see in most of the episodes. Um, and then, of course, Rebels, they narrowed it down even further. And it was like pretty much just focused on the ghost crew every episode. And, you know, you'd have episodes here or there that focused on, you know, maybe one specific member or Ezra would go off on his own to find Darth Maul or something. And then of course you had a lot of different side characters coming in and out, but it was like the same core group of protagonists every week. Um, 
resistance it really i mean you you still kind of have your core group because of course you got uh yeager and niku and uh i think tam is her name like the yeah. uh, the other mechanic that works on his team i mean that's going to be um kaz's kind of home base but even then like they're not working with him on his spy mission i mean this is very much like him and bb8 and then these are like the guys that he is closest with but then you know i mean there's so many other you know you got all the aces you got aunt z you've got the uh the junk shop dealer guys uh flicks and orca um and then the big beefy guy that he started to fight with at the cantina and then the little dude that he owes money to and you know all the i mean it's just this big vast collection of of side characters and like you said even you know with the aces like aside from tora who he raced in the first episode we didn't even we haven't really even gotten introduced to them yet um aside from just their names and their pictures and seeing uh you know some brief clips of them in combat with those pirates in the second episode um but um you know i think we're gonna get to know those characters a lot more too and i think you know because you have so many of those different elements going on because you have the story of kaz on the colossus and not only his spy mission but his mission to kind of prove himself and you know it's like while he's there he wants to become an ace pilot and you know be a good racer and all that kind of stuff um so that's one storyline the resistance in the first order is another storyline and then you got all these different side characters and i think they're all going to be important in some way because uh you know poe tells kaz on his mission like hey you know go there blend in get to know people and find out who might be a spy for the first order so i think we're gonna get to spend time with a lot of these different side characters and then it probably will be you know one of them who either ends up being the spy or at least leads kaz to the spy or something like that um but I don't think we're going to find out who that is until we spent a lot more time with all of these different characters. And you can't really fit them all in in one episode, at least not, you know, introducing them all in one episode because it would just be kind yeah. of, you know, too much to take in. Um, but it it definitely did feel like, too, I mean, they maybe could have sped it up a little bit or made it a little bit more sort of, you know, intense or action-packed or story-focused or whatever. I mean, it definitely felt like it kind of went at a leisurely pace. And they're also, you know, it relies a lot on comedy, too. And, um, you know, Kaz, as much as he is an ace pilot, is also kind of a bumbling goofball a little bit. Um, Which I got to say, one of my surprises about it, Kaz did not annoy me as I thought he was because he kind of heard my complaints about what I was worried about them doing with the character in those mm -hmm. early trailers. But it was kind of, yeah, some of the stuff was a little ridiculous that he got himself into. And I said how the first three episodes were kind of formulaic and the problems that he'd find himself into. But it didn't annoy me where it was kind of because he's kind of a likable guy that you want to see succeed. He's trying to do the best he can where it's not coming off as a cocky and too sure of himself, which that I was afraid of that mainly like cockiness that Ezra had in the first few episodes, which I wasn't a big fan of. It was kind of, his was a little different here. He was a little more eager wanting to do the right thing, but he just, you know, because of certain abilities that he lacked, he just finds himself getting in trouble. So again, yeah. going to that whole theme of playing towards a younger audience, it worked for that. And it didn't really annoy me as much as I feared it would. So that was one plus. Yeah. In fact, I mean, he's kind of the opposite of cocky because yeah, you know, he Niku comes in and overhears him telling Poe that he wants to be the greatest starfighter pilot in the galaxy. And I mean, Niku is, you know, one of those very naive kind of characters. Um, it, I think of him as similar to like 
Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, he takes everything literally. Thing. Metaphors yeah. go over his head. Um, but he just kind of happens to walk in on this conversation and he just hears Kaz saying, you know, best star pilot in the galaxy. And he's like, hi, Kazuda Ziono, best star pilot in the galaxy. Nice to meet you. And just goes and babbles to everybody and it spreads like wildfire that by the time they get to the cantina, everybody already knows that this guy is the self-proclaimed best star pilot in the galaxy, which Kaz never even said. Like he said that was his dream as a kid. But he's definitely, you know, he has no bravado or ego about him and he's not claiming that. And so it's, you know, less about him trying to live up to that reputation than to trying to kind of get rid of it almost. Um, so, yeah, I definitely like that. I mean, he's definitely a likable um, kind of unassuming character. Um, but I think overall, just, you know, I went into this with definitely lowered expectations. I knew it was going to be for a younger audience. Um, and I will say for me, I mean, I, I kind of agree with what Paul was saying about it feeling almost like a snack compared to a meal, but it also, to me, I mean, this felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. I think we take for granted that the Star Wars animated series that we've gotten so far to this point with Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, you hear people talk so much about how, um, you know, oh, this isn't just an animated series for kids. This isn't just an average cartoon. Like this is like, yeah. you're getting a, a 30 minute star Wars movie in your living room every week. Um, and I mean, especially with clone wars, we heard like the actors talk behind the scenes about that so much. And, you know, saying it was like, it was almost like a, a mini star Wars movie every week with the amount of effort and production value that they put into it. And just sort of the epic nature of the storytelling. I think by design re resistance is a lot more relaxed and it, it definitely has that Star Wars feel to it, but it also, it just feels like watching a cartoon. I'm not going into it expecting a big epic story every week. I'm expecting, you know, just a fun little adventure with tidbits of, you know, just sort of piecing together this larger, more interesting story that's going to be kind of a slow burn throughout the season, I feel like, um, as we kind of develop that conflict between the Resistance and the First Order. It kind of feels to me, too, almost like a video game you know, one of those games, like an RPG or something where, mm. uh, the Colossus is like a big open world hub or something where you're trying to progress toward like the next big story mission, but there's just a lot of little side quests along the way. And you're taking your time, you know, leveling up and interacting with different characters and just kind of exploring the world and taking yeah. your time to get to the next big story chapter. That's what this Almost felt like. like the Citadel and Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah, like the Citadel and Mass Effect. Actually, I, I thought of it as more of Mass Effect Andromeda because that game has a crap ton of side quests and sometimes it's too much. It's just busy work. Um, and I will say that, I mean, Resistance kind of felt the same way. Like, I, I definitely liked it. I don't know if I would say I loved it. Um, because again, I mean, just the pacing, the tone, um, you know, it didn't blow me away. I just, I think it was a good start and I'm excited to see what they build towards from here. Um, the next couple episodes afterwards, I wasn't crazy about, I would say my, the premiere was probably my favorite of the three. Um, although the mm. next episode with the pirates was kind of cool, but then the one after that, yeah, that's probably my favorite. The second one. The second one. Yeah, the third yeah. one didn't really do a whole lot for me, I felt like. Um, and that one definitely felt very kind of slow and deliberately paced. But going based off of um, the episode descriptions that we've seen, it seems like the fourth episode, which we probably won't get till the end of this month because, you know, even though there's three episodes available online now, it's only the first one that's premiered on TV. So, you know, we got to wait for those next two to air before they release the fourth one. But that one finally, I think, is going to deal with the uh, 
the first order conflict it says like the first order actually is coming to the station and so kaz is trying to find out what they're doing there and what they're up to and stuff so um hopefully that'll be a big turning point kind of like you think of uh with rebels where um you know the premiere was cool and then you had you know the episode about the droids and the episode where ezra and zeb steal the tie fighter and then you had rise of the old masters yeah. which was the first episode that kind of made us all go oh okay now i'm paying attention mm-hmm. so hopefully the next episode for resistance will kind of be like that yeah i agree i'll say i like it not necessarily love it just yet but the potential is there but at the same time gotta know what we're going to have to expect with a show that is aimed towards younger audience. And I'm totally fine with that. So mm-hmm. definitely going to be keep watching every episode as it airs. So I'm looking forward to it. And I guess the last thing I'll say, Captain Phasma and animation at the end of the second episode. So, so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just seeing her design and that great animated style and hearing Gwendolyn Christie's voice come out of that awesome helmet uh, brought a huge smile to my face. So I can't wait for more Phasma. <laughs> yeah, that was... I mean, I'm right there with you. And I'm not obviously as big of a Captain Phasma fan as you are, but I just thought her design in this animation style looked fantastic. So, um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to going along for the ride and seeing where they go with this thing. Because, um, yeah, I mean, like we said, I, I don't know if I would say I loved it, but it's definitely going to be one of those things that, people are sort of divided on but i mean not to the level of like the last jedi where some people love it and some people hate it it's just it's not going to be for everybody exactly Um, yeah it's for kids and hopefully all the kids love it and for the older fans i mean some of us especially i feel like those of us that are young at heart can still just you know enjoy kind of a more relaxed you know lighthearted star wars adventure without expecting anything on the level of darth maul and death watch and all that kind of stuff but um you know, some of us will be willing to just enjoy it and go for the ride. And, you know, for some people, if it's not for you, like, that's fine. I mean, this is not going to be a show like Clone Wars where I'm going to fight tooth and nail to defend it and be like, no, no, no. But you have to understand, this is a really awesome show because X, Y, Z. It's like, I enjoy it. If you don't, that's cool. It's, you know, not intended for everybody. No need to start petitions about how this is ruining Star Wars and to get it off the air. Yeah. (laughs) That type of thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think I've seen some, like, headlines or youtube videos that are like that saying more how this star wars is going in the wrong direction which is of course nonsense but again it's it should be something so simple that if you don't like it that's fine just don't watch it i've seen some people say that which is cool i mean yeah if you don't like it no need to feel like you had to watch it i'm sure for me that's kind of hard to do when it comes to star wars so thankfully i haven't had that show or that movie or that something in those lines that are the biggest tv shows and movies where i really didn't like and it felt like a chore to watch it so far haven't come across something like that thankfully and hopefully i never will (laughs) yeah which i mean is kind of understandable because like as star wars fans because we love star wars so much we want to enjoy all these star wars you know series and stories and things like we want to uh consume all that content and then we want to like all of it we want all of it to be you know, the way we want it to be, we want it to be to our liking and, you know, directed at us. Um, but resistance is not that like it's made for a certain target demographic. Um, you know, it's clearly targeted at kids, but I think it's also made in a way that star Wars fans can also enjoy it. Um, and you know, like I said, for me, like it, it's a cartoon, like with rebels and clone wars, 
those were Star Wars animated series. I don't call those cartoons because like mm-hmm. people got their heads chopped off and you know, <laughs> like those were that had some epic intense storytelling that you wouldn't see in a normal, you know, Saturday morning cartoon. But Resistance is a Star Wars cartoon and I'm totally okay with that. Like it it doesn't blow me away or have me on the edge of my seat and you know, I don't absolutely love it, but I enjoy it and I like it and it's fine for what it is. So, um yeah, and and like I said, I'm I'm intrigued to see where they uh, take the main storyline and um, you know where they end up by the end of the season. Because the other thing you got to remember too, Clone Wars and Rebels in their premieres both also started out very you know sort of aimed at a younger audience, um, and both yeah. matured and grew a lot along the way. Now, I mean, I feel like Resistance. I'm not maybe expecting that as much because again, like the premise of the series, it definitely feels more sort of aimed at kids and if they just stick with that that's totally fine um but i'm just saying for also for people that you know maybe weren't totally blown away by the premiere like give it a chance because you you've seen where they've been able to go with these stories in the past i think that what i would disagree with you a little bit on is that i i think that resistance is was more like clone wars when it first started out but clone wars had some really cool stuff right off the bat within its first three episodes and and Rebels, I thought, was more consistent. Like, you knew the tone after Spark of Rebellion, where it was it was not completely at kids, but it definitely was for kids, if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm. it definitely, it, it, I think families could sit down and enjoy it. I think, as a, again, I don't have any kids, but I would think that, a, like, a family would have, an overall family would have less fun watching I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I, I feel like it appeals to a, a way younger audience. Whereas if you had a, a, a family with multiple ages with, of kids of multiple ages, they might not all like resistance where or I feel like they, that kids might've all liked clone wars and rebels. Does that make any sense? It feels like it's more an all around experience with rebels and clone wars. Whereas resistance is literally just a, probably like a, what, seven eight-year-old demographic and below potentially like that's what it feels like it's it's aimed at but again i'm just generalizing but um yeah i i I don't think it's bad i again i'm gonna i'm gonna keep watching it and i'm not i don't think it's like i said i don't think anything is necessarily horrible in the show it's just not yeah not super it's not super you know strong in its storytelling in a sense to where it's it's gonna have complexities it's very basic and kids need that you know if i would have had this kid the show when i was a kid i would blow my mind you know but it's like watching ewoks and droids now like i enjoy those for nostalgic reasons but some of them are rough to get through especially the ewok cartoons you know and (laughs) And I love Star Wars and a whole bunch, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't make them any easier to get through, you know, even with nostalgia. So there's a lot to, you know, there's a lot to go on in, in this, in this series that you can, it's, it, you know, it's, I'm curious where it ends up in. I, I kind of already have a feeling I know what's going to happen, but hoping, hoping it maybe gets a little bit more, it stabilizes itself. It gets a little more interesting. Whether whether that means more action, darker, not darker. I just want it to be a little more interesting. And right now, it's just not that interesting. And that's that's just my main beef with it. And, and it's a major beef, but it's a beef nonetheless that it's going to hinder me from investing in the characters. But again, it's not aimed at bitter, you know, old men like me. So who knows? 
yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, you know, we'll we'll see how it unfolds along the way. But um, I don't know. Uh, while we're still kind of on the subject of resistance, but getting ready to wrap up here, um, Tim, I'm sure you put out, uh, you know, some polls and things on social media um, to get people's reactions to this. So, uh, what did our listeners think of uh, Star Wars Resistance? <laughs> well, I gotta admit, I probably slipped up here. I only put a poll up for the Mandalorian. <laughs> they reacted for that. Uh, we got a comment or two about resistance, but mainly our feedback for this episode is going to be for the Mandalorian. So I apologize on that one. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I just thought we'd segue into that as we're getting out of here. But of course, we'll talk about the Mandalorian too and see what people thought of that. Yeah, sorry, ruined your segue. <laughs> but yeah, first of all, the troll, the not the troll, but the poll <laughs> for the Mandalorian. Uh, the choices were as far as um, how does everyone feeling about it after seeing the image and getting the synopsis and director list. Uh, the choices were it will be incredible, better than expected. Still have to wait and see and not excited for it. So which was cool to see, not excited for it, got 0%. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, 21% was still have to wait and see. And then 28% better than expected, but easily winning at 51% is that it will be incredible. And yeah, if I were to vote, in my own poll, I would have voted for that because <laughs> I think it does look incredible for all the reasons we mentioned uh, in our discussion for it. So I'm glad to see the majority of our followers and listeners think so, too. But as far as some comments go for The Mandalorian, uh, first up on Twitter, Max Simmons at Trek to Amsterdam says, Hoping the show has a bit of old school MacGyver feel with a small core of irregulars, but just one or two main actors that we follow week to week. They could travel from planet to planet a la Kane from Kung Fu getting involved with events along the way. Yeah, kind of agree with what he's saying as far as that traveling from planet to planet and that Kung Fu reference there, because again, that was kind of being billed as like a Western style type series back in the day. And obviously this one's being billed as like a gunslinger Western uh, type show. So I can definitely see those comparisons there. And then on Facebook, uh, Brian B. Klein says, I liked it in regards to uh, the man, the Mandalorian um, in the Star Wars universe, but in, or let me start again. It says, I like it in the Star Wars universe, but adjacent. As long as there is good character development and good stories, I'll be happy. And then Christoph uh, Keatsman um, just briefly says, meh. So <laughs> apparently he's not super <laughs> excited about it just yet, but hopefully once a trailer comes out or when the series comes out, I will get you excited about it, Christoph, because hopefully get you excited as we are just uh, talking about the potential the series could have. And then Rich Brockwell says, looking forward to Resistance. It premieres this weekend over here in the UK. Really pumped for The Mandalorian. Hopefully all of these shows will nullify my biggest gripe with the sequel trilogy and explore the state of the galaxy and explain how the First Order came to be, etc. Hopefully both will be great. And he also says, in regards to The Mandalorian, I'd also love it if at some point, if Tim Morrison comes into it as an old Boba Fett, and they have a cat and mouse story like the movie Assassins from the 90s. And then some more Boba Fett speculation when it comes to The Mandalorian. Paul Gann says, This show sounds like what I said they should have done with Boba Fett after Return of the Jedi. Starting at the point where he escapes his near death inside the Sarlacc and stumbling into a moisture farm where he's nursed back to health. I thought there should have been an event that allowed Boba to have a crisis of conscience and end up becoming a reluctant anti-hero. And the show would chronicle his travels and his struggles as to the morality of his choices about which jobs he has he now chooses to take, being a bounty hunter. And then lastly, Paul Gann says about resistance, 
I thoroughly enjoyed Resistance so far. I like the art style. It reminds me of the Dragon Prince and the latest King's Quest game. I used to say that I wish they would make the animation style the same for all Star Wars series, but now I'm good with them all looking a bit different. So, yeah, just going back to those Boba Fett speculations here from Rich and Paul. I mean, as we were talking about it in our discussion, having Boba Fett in that synopsis, there's just tons of different ways you can go about it. I do like the points that both Rich and Paul said. One about Boba Fett coming back as maybe an antagonist to this new hero, like playing that cat and mouse game. But then Paul saying having him be like the main character of it if they do decide to go that way, which probably is not going to happen. But his synopsis here and how it would play out would make for an interesting series or movie. I think having a, a new way of going about thinking about how he chooses to live his life now and having like those struggles of morality, as Paul said there. So definitely a def- bunch of different ways they can go about it. But that to me is what makes it fun being excited about the series is that we don't know too much about it just yet but the potential of what it could be is just so exciting and fun because it's like this so the character of boba fett the mandalorian history um even if it's not him there's just so much you can explore and that's what's so exciting about the show so uh good to hear some other speculation and thoughts from some of our listeners and followers on social media as always thank you guys for chiming in always enjoy hearing the different uh, perspectives and thoughts that we might have missed or haven't come up with so good stuff as always yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for chiming in. It's always good to hear from you and uh, glad to hear you're as excited about this stuff as we are. Um, obviously, you know, lots of good stuff going on right now and coming up in the future. So um, as we always say, it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. Um, but as always, you guys can check us out online. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Star Wars TSC on Twitter and uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Um, you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com, and you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com um, if you want to uh, you know, send us any thoughts, comments, questions, anything like that. Um, and also be sure to check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the other cool podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network, um, especially uh, you know our friends Mike and Matt over on the Rebel Cells podcast. They'll be covering uh, Resistance episodes you know, week to week, more in depth than we'll be doing here um you know we'll probably just keep up keep up with the series as it's going along um but you know we're not going to do like a weekly episode recap or anything like that we'll just kind of check in on it from time to time probably do big episodes about like the season finales and the season premieres like we've done for rebels in the past and stuff like that so um but anyway that is going to do it for this episode thank you guys for tuning in we will see you next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody bye